What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. Uh, I know it's been a couple of weeks. We gave you guys two shows a couple weeks ago. This week, we didn't have a show. This past week, we didn't have a show. And we're back with a lot of news, man. This was a pretty crazy two weeks uh, to, to try to wrap everything up. We can't get to everything, of course, in our show, but we will get to a lot of what's happened. There's been a lot of major stuff. Um, obviously, a lot of disturbing allegations against Jeremy Renner, the, uh, the, the actor who plays Hawkeye, who will be starring in a Hawkeye, who we think will be starring in a Hawkeye Disney Plus series. Um, and he's been, of course, in the Avenger movies. Um, he is in, in a world of trouble right now. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about some big changes happening uh, with Marvel and, 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 and big changes in terms of what's, what we're going to be seeing from the Marvel television brand. Uh, we got some more Joker news. It seems like the Joker movie is a, is the, like the the story that just keeps coming every week. There's something new. We had some really surprising news this week regarding the Joker, and uh, we got some Batman major casting, which happened last week that we didn't get to. So we'll talk about that as well. Um, big shows to talk about. We'll talk about the Flash. We'll talk about Arrow, which debuted last week, and we got of course another episode of Titan. So this should be a really awesome show. I'm really excited to join you guys and you guys to join us. Um, joining me are my co-hosts, beginning with Shamari Stewart. Shamari, uh, what are you looking forward to talking about today? Uh, so I'm looking forward to talking about uh, really all these topics. Um, uh, one thing that I am also, uh, very much looking forward to uh, discussing here is I know we're going to get into, um, I know we have some good show recaps uh, to discuss. I feel like Titans has been doing some good things, so I'm looking forward to talking about that. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to talking about um, Arrow as well. I uh, enjoyed the premiere, so I'm looking forward to talking about that. Yeah, I think um, yeah, Arrow had did some interesting things in that premiere. Uh, I think it was nothing like anyone expected. I think they've done a good job of keeping people in the dark for that. Uh, so when you come into that season premiere, it does hit you like, wow, this is very different than what we've been, they've been doing so far. So we'll we'll talk about that. Joining me today is also Kendall as well. Now, Kendall. Um, I would be remiss in our opening to the show not to bring up the debut of uh, Watchmen, which uh, we are not reviewing this week uh, primarily because we had already seen Watchmen and talked about it on our YouTube channel in what was kind of a, it wasn't a review per se, but it did kind of go a little bit into the episode. We will talk about Watchmen next week, but I do want to get your thoughts on what you what 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 you're thinking about what you've been hearing about this show. Uh, there have been a lot of people who have gotten to see the first six episodes. A lot of people have said it's groundbreaking, that it's just a spectacular show. And uh, are you surprised uh, by what you're hearing from the reception based on what you had seen in the first episode we saw at Comic-Con earlier this month? Yeah, no, I mean, the uh, reaction for Watchmen, like you mentioned, has been incredible. Um, people I saw last night were very impressed. People that, you know, the reviewers that have been that were privy to seeing the first six episodes and you know, have done their own reviews of the season, uh, have been very impressed. Um, people saying it's nothing like what we've seen, nothing like what we've ever seen on television. Um, you know, I, you never know what's hyperbole, what's not, but, I mean, after seeing the first episode, and I'm sure a lot of people now have gotten this, this same feeling, like, it's hard to see this thing messing up. It's hard to see seeing this thing fall apart. The one thing about the show that I would throw out the caveat is they do try... It does seem like they're going to be trying some, you know, out there concepts and ideas. So, like, could they do something and they try too hard, maybe. But beyond that, like, 
the story right now has been incredible, at least in that pilot, and looks to be heading in the right direction. So, um, I'm very excited uh, to see the second episode. I'm excited to talk about it next week. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I'm really excited that uh, a lot of um, prominent uh, black figures in, in media have been really, we're really impressed. And I don't want to go into spoilers, though. If you were on social media, you would have been spoiled because it was talked about pretty much endlessly. Um, uh, what they did in that first episode and, and hearkening back on a, a topic in American history that really, unfortunately, gets glossed over too often and how they brought that to real life. It was truly incredible. Um, and Sham, I know you can speak a little bit to uh, having also seen the episode. Are you? How do you feel about the uh, early reception you've seen from Watchmen? Um, with regards to the uh, reception, I feel like just in looking at uh, what people are saying, um, it seems like a lot of people were were shocked and in awe. Even it seems like our reaction was basically echoed online, um, uh, which you know is is uh, good to see, honestly, because I was I uh, was concerned. You know, I didn't know. So I was like, oh, how are the general public going to feel about this? Yeah, you did talk about like that. I said, it's, it's very much in your face mm-hmm. <laughs> with regards to the show. And uh, uh, a lot of the topics that are presented and a lot of people are, you know, uh, seems like it's getting a lot of very positive reactions. So, um, I mean, um, you know, just to note, it is getting review bombed on Rotten Tomatoes by the right wing. It uh, just should be blunt. It's the right wing. You know, there's <laughs> no there's no ambiguity. There's no, oh, some people know it's the right wing. They're mentioning political agendas, blah, blah, blah. You know, so, I mean, that is a thing that's happening. But just just generally just looking online and looking up information about it and what people feel is mostly positive. So I am I'm very uh, pleased to see that. And I'm, I'm happy with what I'm seeing from the show. I'm very much looking forward to the rest of the series uh, going forward. Um, and I do want to give a shout out to my favorite reaction on social media, which was from uh, rapper Schoolboy Q, who uh, tweeted, quote, I don't know what Watchmen is about, but it's kind of tight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so shout out to Schoolboy Q. I thought that was a really hilarious uh, re- response to an episode that obviously grabbed a lot of people's attention. And I think that that's honestly, I think that's going to be how a lot of people feel. I, I, like, you know, I know Shamari has, has been very much uh, willing to kind of draw the parallels to Game of Thrones. And in some ways I can kind of see those parallels and how they unfolded last night and how many people feel like they didn't really know what was going on, but they were immediately intrigued. That's kind of how a lot of people felt about Game of Thrones. Maybe not in the first episode of Game of Thrones, but as the season went on, you were like, I don't know who these people are or what they're talking about, but this is so intriguing that I got to keep watching. Um, I'm hoping that maybe there's a way for them to, uh, what's the word? Like ease in those people who aren't familiar with the book or have never seen the movie. But I don't know. I think what makes it great also is that they kind of just drop you in. I think that if they were trying to like hold your hand too much, it it, it might take away from a little bit of the, my, the effect my that thing they have. like if you want to ease people in or you want to fill them in, there's a movie out there. You know what I mean? Like I mean that's what we did. You know, if you don't want to read the book. I mean, obviously the movie isn't obviously the the, the exact same thing as the book, but no. And it is, and it is important to tell the viewer listeners that this show is based on the book not the movie right now the movie is is pretty close to the book but the book ends drastically different so that's something to be clear you know like these people have to like like yeah i mean 
Like, it's not that, I mean, obviously, like, not every movie is mad easy to find or mad easy, is readily accessible, not everything's on Netflix, but, like, if you really, really like the first episode and you really want to find out more about Watchmen, just watch the movie. And if you want to find out more about Watchmen in a two-hour time period, you don't have time to read a whole book, you don't like reading, then just watch the movie. But, who knows? It's not me. Not up to me. But uh, it's it's certainly getting a lot of attention. There's a lot of positive praise for it, and I'm excited to see what... Uh, uh, Lindelof uh, ends up doing for the rest of the series. You know, he 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 spoke very highly and very passionately about this project when we saw him at Comic Con, and um, the attention detail is there. Everything is there that you would like. So, is can he keep it up for the entire season? Um, not to keep bringing up Lost with him. Now, Lost had a great first season, but Lost, as the season went on, like really went off the rails. And not to say that you know, I know he could do one season of good television, but my my only pause would be like, all right well can he follow this story through so far it's been a spectacular beginning and i'm looking forward to talking more about it next week when we recap the first two episodes but uh let's uh move on now to some very uh serious news regarding jeremy renner so um according to uh, daniel rpk uh marvel is quote considering some options in case they decide not to use jeremy renner for the hawkeye show and if you ask why would they not decide to use him well if there's been uh, some apparently a very uh, very nasty legal battle between Renner and his ex-wife, and some of the details that are being that are emerging from uh, this legal battle have put a really uh, disturbing. It's really really shined a disturbing light onto Jeremy Renner's life and him as a person uh, overall. A lot of disturbing details regarding him and, and firearms, him and cocaine use. Um, the, earlier this week or late last week him and even underage girls so a lot of disturbing stuff not to go too much into details because there's a lot of stuff but the, the main points were uh he had threatened to shoot his ex-wife um he actually at one point fired a firearm inside his daughter's uh his daughter's room at one point alleged all allegedly how huh, was that kind threatened to shoot himself yes well. yes he threatened to do a murder suicide uh so that was obviously really uh, disturbing. Um, and a friend, apparently, uh, his wife alleges him of rampant cocaine use. But a friend also uh, alleges that she had seen him um, with what he she 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 thought were underage girls. And they were doing a, a full night of cocaine. So that's the allegations. Jeremy Renner has denied... Uh, it seems like in the it is in the documents. I don't think he said anything publicly, but he said that his wife is basically obsessive. Um, has tried to uh, has been obsessed with his, uh, for lack of a better term, his sexual life. I'm not sure how that relates to the violence uh, allegations, but um, but essentially she's 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 a liar and that she's obsessive. That's that's basically seemed to be his defense. You know, obviously he could probably defend himself better than I can right now. But uh, that obviously, of course, you know, allegations are allegations and, and we take them seriously. But, you know, we have to let the legal, uh, the legal case play out before, you know, we obviously we can pass judgment. The, yes. A legal process. There you go. Uh, go through before we can really pass much judgment. Though obviously, these uh, allegations are very disturbing. And in terms of the Marvel side, Sham, you already see the reporting that, you know, Disney and Marvel are already kind of 
looking at this and seeing what's their end game, for lack of a better term, no pun intended, in regards to what they do with Renner moving forward. Do you think that when Hawkeye, well, I don't even know if I want to say that. Let's just, do you think that Hawkeye will happen? And if it does, do you think Renner will be involved? I do think Hawkeye will happen. Um, and part of that is wishful thinking because I do want it to happen, whether Renner is involved or not. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when it happens, do I think that uh, Renner will be involved? I do not know. Um, I mean, this is, I mean, uh, kill himself. He, you know, and there's things involving underage girls, which, I mean, that is uh, horrendous. I mean, if, if that's the case, um, you know, so it's just a lot of very negative, very horrible. Uh, these are very horrible things to be accused of. Um, I mean, I'm less, much less concerned with the drug use because, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's other people in Hollywood that are using drugs now, <laughs> you know, and I don't care about the drug use personally. Um, but, you know, anything with underage, uh, you know, because that's just that's just my personal opinion in regards to. You know, if he's using, uh, I mean, if he was using, if he was a meth addict, I think that'd be something serious. But, you know, um, if yeah, he was on a whatever binge, and I don't know. But with regards to underage women, that's horrible if that's the case. So they have to, Disney, I agree with Disney's stance right now where they have to consider their options. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to, um, you know, they need to say, okay, do, do, do we need him? And, you know how serious are the allegations? What evidence is that has been presented so far, etc. And uh, you know they have to see what whatever the outcome is of of this. You know, hopefully, you know at the end of the day, right now at this point in time, these are allegations. Hopefully, they're not true. Hopefully, you know, just that's just the best case scenario with all of this. Sure. So hopefully, these allegations are not true, and this did not happen. Um, but, uh, you know, it's definitely something very heavy to consider for Disney. And it doesn't look good when you got friends, uh, of him coming out with, you know, yeah. their own stories about him and what he's, what he's done. Uh, Kendall, what do you think is the future of Hawkeye today with these Renner allegations as we know it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because like... I mean, look, if we're assuming, we're assuming that all this stuff is true, because I mean, look, I don't know. You know, obviously, again, you mentioned the allegation. We've seen, you know, people get away with stuff, or you know, we've seen stuff get, you know, you know, alleged, and then nothing really comes of it. But if if these if these are true, um, or if these get reported further. Uh, it's going to be tough from a PR standpoint for Marvel to keep Renner. Um, we've only really seen one instance of Marvel canceling something that they've already announced Marvel Studios, and I, I feel like that's Inhumans. And even that really wasn't canceled. It was just kind of transformed into a television series. But, um, uh, you know, a full-out cancellation of Hawkeye would be tough. You know, there's two options at that point. If you do want to do how, if you want to go forward with Hawkeye, but you do you don't want to use Renner, is look you can recast or you can write around the character. Um, 
I think writing around the character is extremely, extremely tough, borderline impossible for the story they want to tell. Um, given that you think he would be involved in the, you know, the training process, and he is Hawkeye, for, so like having a Hawkeye show without Hawkeye is pretty tough. But mm-hmm. um, so then the other option would be recasting him. I've seen some people say that that's the wave, and you know, like. He's seen some people throw out some names for who they want to see as Hawkeye, but if they did decide to recast, but we also have to realize, and look, Marvel's done that in the past. They did it with you know, Bruce Banner on the most uh, most high-profile level, mm-hmm. biggest character. Guy That's the day with Rhodey. Yeah, exactly, and they also did a Rhodey on a smaller scale, but even those two were they weren't, those characters weren't nearly as established because obviously they had only been in one movie, those actors, Ed Norton and Terrence Howard. In this case, Jeremy Renner has been in a plethora of movies. He's been Hawkeye since virtually day one. So to now then transition to a different actor as playing Hawkeye would really be jarring for a lot of people, especially on a Disney Plus, in a Disney Plus format. Um, so I don't know. I I think if push comes to shove they may just decide not to do it if if it really really mm. gets bad wow if they really if it really gets bad like like they feel like well we definitely can't do a hawkeye show with jeremy renner then they may decide not to do it but if they if if there is a hawkeye i'd be shocked if it wasn't jeremy renner and if this gets if this is like 50-50 where it's like all right, you know, kind of like James Gunn where it's like there's a gray area where maybe be able to keep him on and you know, like Shamari said, like you know, maybe it's, you know, the, the, they can confirm or they, they they confirm the drug use but the, all the, the more you know, very serious allegations are, you know harder to prove or not proven, then they, Marvel may say, uh, not a great look not a good PR look at all but we really don't have much of a choice if we want to go forward with Hawkeye. And and look, they could also do something where they just very limit his role. Like yeah. He's in it, but he's not nearly the face of the show that he used to be or that he was intended to be, maybe. They really focus on Kate Bishop's character more than maybe we expected. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is, I mean, this is Hawkeye. You know, this isn't Cap. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't Iron Man. This isn't Thor. It's Hawkeye, you know. Even after Endgame, he was definitely very much a C-list kind of Avenger, you know, to be completely, to be blunt about it, you know. So that's disappointing about this, you know, because so many people had been like, you know, he had gotten the short end of the stick for years, yeah. and he finally was going to get his own show, and now we're talking about it may not even happen. Yeah, like this is this is like yeah, it's kind of ironic, kind of. This is like the first time where we're we're everyone is super invested in his character moving forward if any at any other time it's crazy because they've been avenger movies where he's been in them but at any other time they decided to recast it would not have been as much of a issue or a concern for fans than it is today which is just kind of like insane but the, as you said it was, he was a character a lot of people thought were forgotten about that wasn't given really a fair shake and for the first time with his with the show coming out and him next to you know Haley Steinfeld as Kate Bishop, like you, it looked like okay, Hawkeye is finally going to get a true story, and we'll finally fully get to um, 
give that character its due. Whether it's the last end of the road or it's a, it's, it's the start of a new future, at least we'll, we'll have something to hold on with him. And now this happens. It's, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. Obviously, it's unfortunate if this stuff is true that it happened anyway. But obviously, for the fans also, it is unfortunate that this is how it's played out. I mean, as I sit here today, stuff blows over. But for me, it just seems hard for me to believe that you could move on, move forward with him. Um, because as we've seen with a lot of these issues, um, one allegation leads to another allegation, leads to another allegation, and it, 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 it starts to snowball. And a lot, unfortunately, a lot of um, bad people, you know, when they do something, they don't do it to just one person. They do it to multiple people. Now, I'm not saying that Renner is a bad person. He's done any of this. But that's the risk you hold with saying, okay, well, these are just the first allegations. And if we could somehow survive this as a company, maybe we can move forward. It's like every day you keep him on, it's another day where you're waiting for that next shoe to drop with something else. That's happened. Like I said, before, it was just his ex-wife and then the other allegation from his friend about the underage girls and the, and the, and the cocaine. Like, at, at a certain point, you guys start to wonder, like, you know, is he just too much of a liability? And Do we cut bait at that point? And, and those that, you know, Jeremy Renner, for me, is not, like, on the, the, the or not, he's not really on my radar, like, a an actor in Hollywood that I that I follow, you know, their lives. I mean, not to say I follow most <laughs> actors' lives, but some are shoved in your face, and Jeremy Renner is not really one of them. So, like, I wasn't really familiar with much about Jeremy Renner, but those that, that are say that, you know, these allegations aren't necessarily surprising, or that no. he's never been the, uh, he's never been a, an angel, you know, for lack of a better term. So, um, like, that, that, will help and also hurt him it'll obviously it'll hurt him obviously because you know it's kind of like you know all right three strikes kind of thing you know if you already have this image that's not the best and then this happens and marvel may say you know we or disney may say we just gotta move on but it also may help him in the sense that like he's beat it before you know and like it's these, these are these are kind of on brand obviously not not all the stuff is on brand for Jeremy runner but um you know, it's not uh, because he's already not had the best image. People may look at this and say, all right, you know, they may look the other way because it's Jeremy Renner. You know, so I, I just know. I just feel like there's too much at stake at this point. Like, you know, uh, our, our heightened we have a heightened sensitivity towards these kind of allegations, and any kind of violence against women. Um, and that's good. But but that also means that uh, that these kind of allegations and these kind of potential acts just are, just will not be tolerated um by the fans and by um by the media and it's is you can't survive moving forward a guy who threatened to commit a murder suicide against his wife it's just not that's that's never going to work in this day and age as sad as our country is at maybe 10 years ago you would have been able to survive that i can't imagine you survive that and like i was saying before if this is if he's done if he's done this i What's gonna come out next? Because my thing is like, if if it got that bad at a certain point with him, and he he did what they're alleging he did, then there's more stuff to, that's gonna drop. More people are gonna be emboldened to want to speak about what they their experiences with Jeremy Renner. And you you made the point that that is true that he already has kind of this bad boy kind of persona 
uh, whether it's fair or not, that's definitely the persona people have of him. So when you add that to these allegations, you can't help but wonder if the, if there will be more to come. And there's more to come. Good night, sweetheart. I think that they can recast him. It, it's it's not going to be easy, but I just I just feel like Disney is just they're in a position where they just can't. As Shamari said, this isn't James Gunn. James Gunn making jokes. He doesn't think anybody's paying attention to him. He's trying to uh, get attention, you know, while he's a you know a young or struggling you know director or comedian, and uh, and and while that all that stuff was deplorable and fireable, and he wasn't indeed fired at one point. Uh, this is a different animal when it talks about again violence against women, um, potential underage girls involvement. Though though I want to make as, as I keep saying that we should make it clear. I don't think there's any allegation that he did anything with the underage girls. Um, but underage girls, scantily dressed, you're doing cocaine. I mean, if that's all that happened, that's, not, if all that, that's, that's, if that's all that happened, that's still very illegal and very problematic. Yeah, but it, still- it, it points to a direction that becomes uh, extremely, extremely, extremely disturbing. And though that, you cannot tolerate. So... Um, I think he will not be Hawkeye. That's my honest opinion. Is that I think when this is all said and done, he will not be Hawkeye. They will they will get rid of him. And my gut says they'll recast, but I do think this Hawkeye show is in jeopardy, which is sad. But I think the only the only reason why I pause in saying that they'll get rid of that is because Haley Seinfeld I think is become such has become such a uh, a big figure in Hollywood, or at least she's on the come up for for sure. Uh, Whatever deal they signed her to, I can't imagine that, like her agency and her handlers would allow them to just kill a project because some jack off, you know, doesn't know how to act. Like I, I got, like I feel like she probably has enough pull in Hollywood to get them to do something. I mean, so I don't, I don't, out, but which they don't want to do. Obviously, they don't want to do that because we know that <laughs> num- that we know that number they gave her is absurd. So. I, that that's how that makes me feel like they will push forward with this show one way or another, but but I think it I think it's in jeopardy. And I just really do. the future of the MCU, like they 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 like this Hawkeye show wasn't just like a one off like one shot. Like they were obviously establishing Kate Bishop to be a major part of the MCU going forward. For sure. So, like that plan, like Hulk, like if you just. If you just like you say, all right, never mind. We're not doing Hawkeye anymore. I mean, that, that changes a lot. Feige's whole board for went to, for sure. You 1, know, 000%. now it's like, well, that Young Avengers movie we wanted to do in 2022 is now affected, or that you know, Champions movie they want to do in 2025 is now affected. You know, like so. Yeah, yeah those are all things they're gonna have to consider. Uh, but again, uh, we, as Shamari said, I think we agree. We can only hope that these allegations aren't true. Um. For everybody's sake, but uh, if they are true, obviously, then the right the the right course of action needs to be taken against Jeremy Renner, and I believe that would be firing him. I think we all would agree with that. If the, all these allegations are true, that's pretty much close to what I was saying. And then, um, and then we'll see what happens when they go from there. But uh, staying with staying with Marvel and the MCU, uh, Kendall spoke about how you know this Hawkeye show is part of a bigger vision. Um, and we now know that vision is getting even bigger because Kevin Feige last week was promoted to Marvel's chief creative officer, which means 
not only of course will he still you know have full control over the uh, movies as Marvel Studios president um, he will now have creative control over television comic books and animation so all of those divisions would now report under Kevin Feige and the the what's very interesting is the television and animations branch now falls under Marvel Studios so uh, no one man should have all that power <laughs> something that uh, Kanye before he went crazy said but uh, Marvel and Disney are giving it to Kevin Feige. So I, before I even go forward, I do want to make the point to give a massive, massive, massive shout out to Jeff Loeb. Because by all accounts, this is pretty much the end of Marvel television as we know it. And they will start to wrap up whatever they've been doing. Uh, but Kevin, man, Jeff Loeb is giving us some unbelievable superhero content, man. Uh, I know, you know there's been some, we've had some, we've People, us included, voice frustrations about the non-connections to the MCU and some things we wanted to see. But when you take into account this guy was the head of television when we got Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Defenders, uh, uh, Runaways, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, this guy brought some really amazing content to our screens and stuff that we just never thought would have been possible. So while... There's a lot of chatter about what the future of Marvel television holds. I do think it's important to give that shout out to Loeb, who just did a fantastic job. Of course, we can all talk about the issues with Iron Fist and, and, and Inhumans, but but for the most part, man, I mean, he deserves a round of applause. He did a great job. But staying on the Feige standpoint from this sham, what do you, what do you think now? Uh, now that he has control, full control over Marvel's television branch. Uh, do you think this is a positive step for Marvel? Um, I think that this is uh, uh, well. Actually, I would say this is a fantastic step, personally. Uh, partially because I, well, actually, no, mainly uh, because I, Feige is a fan, and you always want the fans to be the ones who are um, in control. <laughs> um, I mean, he's a gigantic. You can tell he's a gigantic fan of the content. And that he, um, and that he wants to do some of these fantastic comic book stories uh, justice. And see, I, the thing that most fascinates me about this is that he's going to be in charge of the comics as well. Now, I would hope that he doesn't kind of just step on a lot of what people have, have already established. Like, for example, with the X Men comic that's been going on. You know, I hope he doesn't just say, okay, well, now you have to do this. So whatever you were planning on doing, do this now, you know. And I don't think that he's going to be that kind of, uh, or at least it doesn't strike me. I, I would I be surprised so. if, if he were to take that kind of action, you know. I think that he would want them to, um, or maybe he he may be like, oh, I want you to try to. I think he may take that kind of action with regards to TV, um, uh, to a large extent. I think that he'll probably let like you were mentioned saying, let Loeb and, and these other, you know, kind of creators and showrunners finish what they're doing, but then say, okay, now we're going to start off with this, or now we're going to work, focus mainly on Disney Plus, or if something is on TV, how we, can we integrate it with what's on Disney Plus, and so on and so forth. Um, and he may even start some new comics, or maybe we'll just have a redo of one of these comic runs that have been going on for a while that maybe should be started up again. 
So I think this is extremely positive. I'm glad we don't have to deal with this uh, Perlmutter uh, versus Feige stuff. I'm glad we're just like, look, this is just all under one big brand. Um, there's all one big story that's going to be connected. And we have the guy that's leading the ship that has been extremely successful uh, in the movie universe, um, kind of guiding everything. And it's funny because, you know, of course we do Imperial Broadcast, shout out to our to our podcast there, um, where we talk all the time about the Lucasfilm Story Group, where they are kind of like the people navigating the story surrounding everything, comics, books, um, and movies. They Maybe make sure everything makes sense. In. Yeah. Yeah, they make sure everything makes sense. Nothing's contradictory. Uh, make sure everything is kind of cohesive. I feel like Feige's kind of just that group in one person now. Which mm-hmm. I don't know if he's gonna have people. He'll probably have people working under him to try to help him with that. But you know, I feel like he's kind of taking on that role. So that's I think it's very exciting. I think it's very positive. And um, like I said, the only trepidation is I hope he doesn't get too heavy-handed with regards to the comics. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he will be. So I'm, I think it's very exciting. What do you say, Kendall? Well, first of all, Kevin Feige, man, he he must be in a lot of money. <laughs> Got it. Oh yeah. <laughs> The thing about what some of these other guys have gotten on the open market, and like, it, I mean, I, I was, he loved Marvel, he loved Disney, but like, if you if you were to say, you know, what, I'm on the open market now, like he could get a billion dollars. But <laughs> regardless, um, no, this is uh, this is very exciting. Um, obviously, there is the same kind of trepidations that we had with uh, Greg Berlanti, where it's like. You know, are you overextending yourself by doing all this stuff? You know, if he allocates some of his energy and resources into Marvel Comics and Marvel Animation, Marvel Television, how does that affect the Marvel Studios product that we've had over the last 10 years? You know, I mean, I would think it's going to all still run smoothly, but I guess in theory it's not a guarantee. But I also feel like Kevin Feige is a much more competent uh, you know, executive than you know someone like Ike Promoter. You know, like, and it is interesting how this comes maybe three, four weeks after uh, Iger had those comments in his uh, memoir about Promoter and kind of really throwing him under the bus mm-hmm. um, about Black Panther and Captain Marvel. Uh, so it makes sense now. More, it makes more sense now than it did when it came out. It was like, man, I mean, this guy still has a pretty big title. He still has a big title. They can't just get rid of him. But um, it makes sense now that, like, well, yeah, he's given all the power to Feige. Because uh, that's the that that's what he insinuated in those comments, is that, yeah, he wants to continue to empower Kevin Feige against the Ike Perlmutter, more or less. But um, now this fully does that. Um It'll be interesting to see what the difference is, if there's any difference. You know, like, will we start to get more fan-friendly content for from Marvel Animation, for example? You know, will will we get, like, the return of X-Men, you know, the animated series or some of the other animated shows that have been more popular? Will we get, um, you know, I, there, and Shamari mentioned the fear of will Feige potentially overstep with the comic uh with Marvel's comic industry comic comic division but the um, for me I look at it and say 
the opposite of will Feige maybe bring in some of those comic book minds to help with the Marvel Studios movies you know will he use someone like Jonathan Hickman to help with the X-Men movies that they will eventually be making you know like these are all possibilities now I mean they've all been they've always been a possibility but these are all these all make much more sense now that Feige is directly all these guys bosses so um I mean this is interesting you know that It'll be, you know, we talked about how long will he be there at Marvel, and it seems that this, this seems to cement that. Well, one, it also, also, real quick, it seems to suggest that he may want to be more Stan Lee than like your typical just movie producer, you know, like or your typical Hollywood. Like he may want to be more Stan Lee than Bob Iger or Alan Horn, you know. Mm. You know, like he may not want because people talk about does he want to run Disney? You know, is that his next move? But maybe he just wants to run Marvel and make that as big as he can. That's fascinating. Uh, you know, armchair psychology on uh, on Feige and what he wants for his future. Um, I'm gonna be a little contrarian here. I I'm actually a little. I paused when I saw this news. Um, I pause because I, I get the excitement regarding what he's brought to the table. I mean, what he's done with Marvel, uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe has just been incredible. And there's really no denying uh, that he is one of the, he is the probably the premier movie executive in uh, Hollywood right now. And what he's done for a superhero medium, it goes without saying and, and words really can't put it into great context. That's how, uh, massive his influence has been and obviously the idea that you know because we already know what's happening with the disney plus shows but the fact that he'll have even more influence over marvel television and that there really won't be any other marvel television that's television that's not under marvel studios means that that of course advances our storylines and what they're doing with their movies which we all love i i do i do have some pause about not having some other creative um, vision in there that's producing different content other than what we're getting from Marvel Studios. Now, I assume the comic books will remain kind of completely separate, though I do think this does open the door up for what we've seen uh, Lucasfilm do with Star Wars, where their comic books, and Marvel kind of does this already, but I think you'll see even a greater uh, aspect of this, where some of the comic books will tie into what you see in movies or television shows, um, I think that they'll take a little bit of what you've seen from Berlanti and they'll have maybe animated shorts or animated movies that also tie into uh, the content he's producing. I think mean, that day is 100% happening now that this deal is done. But I, did, I do kind of like that, you know, when you had other visions besides his happening and doing different things, Marvel Animation hasn't really done anything that's gotten me excited at all. But... The, the television, I said, Jeff Loeb really did produce some really great content. And I know there was a great wedge between him and, and Loeb, thanks to Ike Perlmutter, that there really never could have been a cohesive vision. But sometimes, you know, having that kind of competition, so to speak, uh, brings the best out of you. And I don't know if just giving everything to him and putting everything into his Marvel Cinematic Universe basket is necessarily going to bring us the greatest, uh, you know, the, the greatest quality of work 
we know that the MCU tends to take a little more liberties with, uh, with like you know the canon that I think maybe some other divisions have in within Marvel. I don't know if I'd want to see him do that as much on all of television or with any of the comic books. So that that's where I pause a little bit. Is is I don't know if if one man's vision for everything Marvel does is necessarily the best. Um, now Marvel's comics I think have have struggled in my opinion over the last several years. Uh, me and Shamar have been very much into these new X Men books, and I love what we've seen from um, from Jonathan Hickman what he's done. You know, is Feige gonna try to infuse his vision of the X Men onto Hickman? Because I wouldn't want that at all. Hickman is arguably the best combo writer in the world. He doesn't need Feige's input. <laughs> you know, so that's 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 my only trepidation. I watched this news and I kinda was like, Wow, okay, let's see, let's hope this works. You know, I'm not saying that it won't, but there are definitely some concerns. I I, I think and those fears I guess are real. You know, both of you guys kinda mentioned it, but um I just feel like Feige's a smart guy. And look, sometimes smart people are too smart sometimes and they start to try and over control and maybe that's what you're fearing. But, like, I also feel like you have just good, like, social dyna- dynamics and good understanding of what the people like. And, you know, I I don't think, like, he would come in and, like, I feel like, and that's, it's, it's the same reason why I feel like we will get, like, like, Charlie Cox of Daredevil, for example, if we get another Daredevil. You know, like, I feel like he understands people like that Daredevil, even if he didn't work with him. Mm-hmm. But, um... Like, I don't think he would come in and mess up something that's already working. You know, that's obviously working. You know, if there's something that is that needs tweaking, that he will certainly tweak it. Like, I, I think Iron Fist is way more up in the air whenever they use Iron Fist in terms of whether or not they'll keep that canon or not. But, right. um, but yeah, Kevin Feige is a smart guy. You know, I, I would trust that he wouldn't, you know, step on anyone's toes that doesn't need to be stepped on. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I'm gonna use an I'm gonna use bring in Star Wars again. I'm gonna, add, and you know, look, I don't want to dump on Star Wars or anything Star Wars, but I'm gonna contrast her with someone like Kathleen Kennedy, who right now is running Lucasfilm. I expect him to be uh, much more um, like kind of like how Kendall was alluding to, where he he'll be much more like uh, willing to work with the creators of these shows mm. and work with the showrunners. And he doesn't strike me as someone that's going to be like, okay, now now I'm in charge. This is what you're going to do. Whereas it's kind of been reported, honestly, that Kathleen Kennedy has done that. Right. Um, Start saying, you know, this is how you're going to wear your socks to work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, we're not going to get reports that Feige's on set and he's upset because blah blah blah. You know, we're not going to get that. Yeah, I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna see a lot of honestly a lot of kind of what we've had so far. Where Feige has ideas, um, and uh, in some of these movies he has more influence than others. It's a lot. Most of it is the director's vision, but just kind of working around this overall story. Mm-hmm. Like re- regards to Black Panther, for example, where they had an overall story, but a lot of it was, uh, you know, Coogler's vision, or you know, they, where they both the creator and Feige come and sit down at a table and they discuss, they hash out what the story is going to be um so i feel like it's going to be a lot more of that um 
uh, going forward. And so I don't anticipate it's going to be very heavy handed. He seems very much like a creator's boss. Right. Which yeah. I, which I, I, I very much don't see that and, with, uh, right now with Kathleen Kennedy. And I also kind of see that with, um, uh, what's his name? Hamada. Hamada. Right. Yeah, Hamada, with regards to Warner Brothers as well, he seems also to be very much a creator's boss or a creative person's boss. I guess to me, I think to me, I don't know how you guys read this news. I read this news as you guys love the MCU and Marvel Studios content so much that pretty much everything we do will be Marvel Studios driven. Like, I I don't, like, I I, I get the impression that our, I mean, maybe it's clear, but I, I, I just... I don't think he's taking over just to be like, oh, what do you want to do? Okay, that's cool. Like, I kind of get the impression that he's taking over and that the goal is for him to to expand the MCU footprint onto other Marvel properties, which um, I was okay with Disney Plus, but now I'm, I'm a little wary of, okay, all television now is going to go through the MCU. That comics now are going to be influenced by the MCU. How much do I really care about that? I kind of that, enjoy that the comics are totally different from what the MCU does. See, I interpreted this slightly different because I don't think Feige is going to be as hands on as maybe you might expect. Yeah, I, I don't think like, that's kind of why I'm, I'm more optimistic. Like, he's going to be very hands on with obviously probably still the movies because those are the money makers and his success in this role and his, his success at Marvel is going to be driven by. How well do the movies do? But, like, he is still the boss. It's like how Bob Iger runs Disney, but he's not picking and choosing intricately what stories are being told within Marvel or Star Wars or, you know. Right. Like, like, I think when it comes to Marvel Comics, like, if there's something big, you know, or they may have to do a report to Feige and he may, oh, yeah, it sounds good, you know, whatever, now... Marvel Animation comes in, like, I don't know if Feige's coming in saying, like, oh, I had a great idea for a comic. <laughs> you know, now you guys, I want you guys to write this. <laughs> right, like, I don't yeah. Think, I don't say I don't think he cares, but, like, I don't think that that's going to be his job. I think his job is just to make sure the ship is running well. If he gets a, a stock report that says that, you know, the Marvel comics are, are doing terribly, then he'll have to step in and be like, all right, you know, we got to change things up a little bit. But I don't know. That's the way I envisioned it. Yeah, and like I like kind of like how we saw it when we were at the uh, Dawn of X panel. Like the editor in chief, I believe the editor in chief of Marvel was there, um, yes. uh, Marvel Entertainment. Like I feel like he, that that guy's probably going to be reporting to Feige. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. But, like he's but, the guy but, calling the shots. Right, but he's the editor in chief. He's the one in charge of. Okay, th- I like this comic. We need to do something a little bit different with this, and um, and I don't think Feige's going to come in and say, okay, well now it will. You, uh, you okay? So you guys have this these comics. Well, that's going out, or no? You gotta get rid of this. We're gonna add this, or well, I don't think he's gonna be that heavy handed. I feel like he may. I feel like the most he may do in terms of the heavy handedness, I feel like he may add like a new series or right, say, listen, exactly. you're what the editor in chief. You know, we want this new show to come out for Disney Plus. I really want you to add this comic book series. Try to find me an author or a writer. I don't think you have the time and an artist. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna have the time to kind of micromanage the, any any of this. You know, I think he's gonna be kind of very much overseeing. And I feel like they gave him enough power mm-hmm. to the point where he has such a high enough title to the point where he's gonna be delegating a lot. <laughs> I, I imagine that. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine that. Uh, the fact that he is, you know, to steal from Sony's line, so busy, quote unquote. 
Um, I do agree. That I don't, that's kind of why I'm, I'm mostly okay with it because I do think that he just has too much work to do in order for him to be so deeply involved with everything that's happening at Marvel. I guess my only my only pause is I feel like, okay, well, then why would Marvel do this? Because to me, the MCU and Marvel Studios has generated so much money for Disney. And mm-hmm. to me, if you're not... You're not putting him in. I don't think you're making. I don't think you're putting him in charge so he could be more creative with different stuff. Like I like. I feel like you're putting him in charge because you want him to do more of what he's been doing. So like, if I'm doing it from a money standpoint, I get the impression that you're doing this so that he can, um, so he can expand that footprint. Because at the end of the day, that will mean more dollars. Like I don't think that. I don't know if because Kevin Feige is ahead of Marvel Comics. That that's driving any more, uh, any more d- dollars to Marvel Comics. I could be wrong, but if if there's no MCU influence, it's just he's just the head now of Marvel Comics. I don't know if that's driving influence. I don't know well, if he's that, driving. He, I don't I know if he's it, driving that much eyeballs to Marvel Animation. If it's just the but, same animation, but just Feige but now has some creative control. Thing. I don't think that's changing anything. I, I don't think it's about like that's like saying like. Uh, like a like a football team hires somebody like they they change their general manager, but like you know it like if he's not the coach or if he's not changing the offense, you know it's still not gonna it's still not gonna win games, you know like or not even they're still not gonna win games, but they're still not even going to um they're not going to uh, sell tickets because of the GM and my thing is like. I think they're going to sell tickets because I think the product will be better. You know, like I think he will, he's going to run a better ship than Ike Perlmutter did. And Marvel television is going to be way more cohesive because now it's just going to be all connected in the same brand. And we won't have the, the, the controversy that we had before of like three different divisions and they all hate each other and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, Marvel comics, I think will be largely un changed you know um like sure i said might be some tie-in comics but um yeah i just think this is more about like he's a very good executive who's done a very good job with marvel studios and they feel like why don't you just run all of marvel you know like you seem to have a good idea you seem to have a good handle of running a business um i don't think they i don't think they're hiring kevin feige for his creative mind here like they're hiring Kevin Feige, the executive, over Kevin Feige, the producer, in this with this move. I um go ahead, Sam. Last last thoughts on this. Sure. Um. So I. Uh, so I. One thing is, I also think this is more for uh, TV than it is for comics. Though I think he is a, you know, obviously they mentioned he's in charge of the comics as well. I don't anticipate he'll be very heavy-handed with regards to managing the comics. Um, I think I think with TV and movies, that's like like you said, EJ. That's where the money's at, and um, I do think they're going to try to include the a lot more Marvel Studios influence in the TV and movies. I don't I don't disagree with that, and I prefer that personally. I because I very much enjoyed what they've done with the movies. So I want them to try to do the same thing with the TV because the TV has been mostly good, but some of it has been hit or miss. What would you guys? Um, 
Well, oh, you finish, finish. Okay. Yeah, so some of that has been hit or miss. So I, I don't think everything's going to be Disney Plus necessarily. I think I think they're going to try to inch. Maybe eventually one day it's going to be like that. I don't think they're just going to cancel everything or can everything. But I think they're trying to get to that point one day. Um, but yeah, I think mo- I think I agree with you, Kenan. I think a lot of what he's going to be doing is delegating, and you know, just making sure things aren't you know, it's not a kind of um, you know where the comics there, there's just nothing going on. He's going to probably try to infuse a little bit of life in there, add a few more series, you know, maybe uh, you know, see he's going to be in charge of the whole thing. So he's going to have access to all their data, maybe see what has been working, what has been working, make some suggestions here and there. Um, but I, I just I really don't think they're gonna. They brought him on to kind of just infuse Marvel Studios, quote unquote, into, into, um, uh, just into just everything in a very kind of heavy-handed way. They may they may eventually get there, but I don't think they, I don't think it's gonna be something where it's just jarring, and where if you know he's just gonna replace everything that you may have liked that wasn't Marvel Studios. Um, I just, can I really don't also a fan of this stuff as well. Huh. Like I feel like Feige's also a fan of some of these comic book series. Yeah, which is a really big part of the reason that I I have a lot of faith is because I think but, I think he knows a good story when he sees I, it. I don't think he's gonna like that's why I don't think he's gonna dump this X Men story. How do you, um, even though he has the X Men now? If X Men wasn't doing well, he would have a lot of incentive to to dump right, the X Men right, right, right. and replace it. But I don't think he's gonna do that because I think he knows a good story when he sees it, and this is a great story. And I don't think he's going to want to replace that. How do you guys um, feel about what I said real quick about um, this? him maybe positioning himself as a new Stan Lee over, like, the next Bob Iger? Um, I don't know. Yeah, like most people expected. Like, I don't, like, I I don't know. Like, I feel, I still feel like deep down he wants, he's going he's gonna to want another challenge other than Marvel. That's just my impression. And it might not necessarily be something comic book related. Like I don't know if he's just going to, to DC after this or, or some other comic book related thing. I, I, I feel like that day is still going to come. But I just think that this is a he's a guy with a big creative vision. I think that um, unlike uh, Iger, where it, was, it, it seems he seems to be very much. I mean, we, he is ending. He is you know, resigning soon. Uh, where it seems like he's kind of accomplished what he's wanted to accomplish. I don't get that impression with Faye. Like, he seems like he's just as excited about the next phase as he was for the previous phases. I think that he sees another great, big creative thing coming, especially with the acquisition of the Fox characters. But I do think that at a certain point, he will move on. It just isn't, isn't as soon as people thought. So, I see what you're saying. I still think that day comes where he's running some other major... Uh, company. And it could be Disney, but it could also be someone else. Sham? Uh, yeah, I think that um, uh, regards to him being more of a Stan Lee, uh, I mean, I don't even know if... I mean, first of all, it's hard to say anyone's going to be another Stan Lee. Uh, so I... I, yeah. I Shout out to I, our rest in peace yeah. to Shan Lee, of course. Yeah, Just absolutely. in the sense that, like, he's just, you know, he's just the guy that runs more of a you know, one hundred percent. Like that, he's a, he's at the end of the day, he's anything. He, he's a creator. At the end of the day, he's okay. a creator. He's not an executive. I mean, in that sense, I think he is more like Stan Lee than Iger right now. Uh, even in terms of the titles that he holds and what he's been doing, um, 
so I mean I'd agree with that in that sense. I think I think that's just correct. Uh, but I, in terms of what he wants, um, I mean that's hard to say. I I, I would I would I would uh, I would guess so i would believe so because he that's kind of just the aura that he's given us so far um so uh yeah i agree i agree with ej i mean we'll see where his next venture takes him i mean we know he's involved in lucasfilm now and working on a star wars project so maybe it'll be lucasfilm yeah you know or maybe it'll just be something uh just disney you know maybe like you were mentioned before at one point kind of he's going for alan horn's position we don't know uh we'll find out but um yeah, either way, this is very interesting stuff. It is. And, um, and but I just cannot say, man, the one thing is it's a good day to be Kevin Feige, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> that dude's, uh, I'm sure he, we all know he works very what, hard. What do you guys think? How much do you guys think he, he, he's making? Ballpark. Per year? Total. What's total? His total value is Berlanti. I mean, he's got $500 million Oh, like the contract he's. Well, so Berlanti, he got $500 million to his company. Right, that that was it's kind of like the right. same thing with like same, Abrams. Same with JJ Abrams. Like JJ, I think got what do you get like four hundred million or something like that. I don't even remember. These numbers are ridiculous. But how much? I don't do you know think? if Feige, I don't know if Feige has that kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, because he's only one person. He's yeah, not he's he's because like he's like an employee. Like it's kind of weird. Like he kind of has a different title than like Abrams and uh than and Berlanti. Like he, does, like he doesn't, company. yeah, like he doesn't own Marvel Studios. He works right. for Marvel Studios, which is owned by Disney. So that's why I don't know if he, like, I don't know how much money. Like, I don't think that money compares to what like those guys got for their companies. Which mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much they're taking from that money, but you know they're taking a lot of it. Um, I would say in terms of well, salary, I, I get the impression he probably makes uh, upward to fifty million dollars a year. That's my. That's my. I, I mean, like that could be. Maybe that's high, but I, I, the, the the guy that that made me take that ballpark estimate was Roger Goodell. Um. So that's who I would. That's what I would guess. Uh. So for how much he is making, I mean, I I honestly I have no idea. I mean, a hundred mil a year. It's going to be a lot. A hundred million. I, I don't I don't know how much these execs make. I'm just gonna keep it real. That sounds about right, man. A hundred? Well, no, not a year. That's a lot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. A year? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I don't know how much. I don't like, know how much these guys make. All I know is Marvel Studios. They're printing. I thought I was going high for fifty. I, I I have no idea. Maybe forty. I don't know. <laughs> like I don't. I have no. I know nothing about how much these movie executives make. Uh, that's just a completely random guess. My thing is like he makes. A portion he makes a portion of probably each of those movies in terms of sales, and like those yeah, I would think so. just making so much money. Like his salary is probably not that crazy, but like the commission he gets on those movies is probably ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. And there's probably like three or four of those joints coming out a year. Three or four of those joints making over five hundred million easily, probably a billion each. I don't know, man. He's executive. So what? Do, what do you think, Kendall? You haven't given us a number. I haven't given you a number yet. I, I think total value. I mean, I'm thinking he's he's probably worth almost a billion dollars at this point. Oh well, worth is different than what he's actually making. Well, yeah, like I think over the life of his deal, probably a mass over a billion. You think he's made a billion dollars since he began working at Marvel Studios? 
Not necessarily, but going forward in this new title. Like, he, I feel like he whatever will. deal he's renegotiated, whatever raise he's gotten, is going to get him to that number. Because he's too valuable. If he went on the open market, he can get that easily. I think he's making enough money to where he doesn't have to think about money anymore. Obviously, yeah. I don't think he can. Don't yeah, think he's a very... Like, I, I think it's just more numbers at this point. It's just, he's like, it's look, just like, oh, as long as I can get a new hat, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that... I don't I don't think he's going to make enough to mass over a billion dollars. Um, and that's, that is too much money, I think. I do think... You think? Uh, yeah, I don't think that that's that... I mean, that's, I don't. I don't think anyone is that valuable. Like, not in his. Again, I keep repeating. Like, not in the way his role is described. Like, he again, he doesn't own Marvel Studios. So, like, the, like while we 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 talk about the massive deals Berlanti and Adam, and uh, Abrams got, we have to put in line. Well, remember that's their company. And yes, of course, he owned. They own the companies. Therefore, they make a lot of money. Like a lot of that money goes to you know the cost of running the company. Like. Feige has the benefit of not actually owning the company, not having it. He doesn't. He doesn't spend any money. Like he doesn't spend any of his own money <laughs> to make the company because Disney does that. So I, I think when we think about in terms of how much he's making, not to say that he's not making a lot. Again, I, my first guess was fifty million a year, which is still ridiculous for someone who's only an employee. But I don't think even in a in a in a, in a new deal where he gets his larger role that he's going to be amassing over a billion dollars. That just seems crazy but i mean the money that marvel and disney have made is crazy so i guess anything at the end is truly possible but um i do want to move on though to to some of the dc stuff we had this coming up this week uh so jared leto's days as joker appear to be over um the actor according to an article a pretty much a pretty staggering article by the way from uh i believe it was the hollywood reporter said that he was quote alienated and upset over uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker movie. And in fact, he actually went to lengths to try to stop it from happening. He apparently uh, threw uh, fits with his agents to get them involved in trying to stop the movie. In fact, he probably, they said he actually called his music manager, which I'm not sure why that would be the person he'd go to, but apparently he, he called his music manager and told him to, 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 to set up something with the head of Warner. Not... not no, not Warner Brothers, you know, movies. He wanted to talk to someone from either Time Warner or AT&T, depending on whenever their merger happened, uh, to talk about stopping this movie. Now, he apparently his camp denied that this happened. But uh, the high reporter is standing by their story that he was very upset by this. Um, so what do you what do you what do you just make of this, Kendall? I mean, we haven't really heard much about what Leto's future is. This Joaquin Phoenix Joker has absolutely just dominated the conversation and now this story comes out about jared leto feeling um uh alienated by the fact that they went forward with this movie he can't feel better now that this movie uh is without question um is is way more uh critically successful and way more um you know embraced in terms of his uh, walking phoenix joker over his joker do you do you feel like his days are over or and what do you make of the story as in whole as a whole uh, yeah, I mean, his days have been over pretty much since they laid out what Suicide Squad 2 is going to be about. He wasn't in it. Um, there was so much negative about that Suicide Squad movie and his character and kind of the stuff that we heard afterwards. Like, none of it really sounded like he wanted to be back. 
um, or that he was going to be back. Uh, there was some, you know, obviously was some talk that, oh, yeah, he's got a movie, Joker and Harley Quinn movie, this, that, and the other thing. But we all kind of were skeptical even back then. Um, but no, I feel like this this story is kind of not surprising. Um, I mean, it's probably surprising a little bit, the fact that, you know, again, he this is a guy that we weren't sure even wanted to do this movie and now or wanted to be his character anymore and now he's upset that someone else is going to play him um i don't think warner brothers cares i don't really care that much myself because joker is going to make this joker movie going to make more than any other rated r movie in history so like jared leto being upset about that and being upset about this movie is like i mean who cares you know i i don't know i i think i think jared leto We'll see what happens with Morbius. I'm assuming that's coming out because I think they've been set photo. I think it's filming, but um, like we'll see what happens with that. But well, he's a good actor. He's got his own. He's got his own lane. Um, but the, however, my opinion of of Joker in terms of its uh, societal impact, it, you know, the, the 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 cinema world is better for the fact that the Joker was made. So, um, you know, like I can't. I can't, uh, I can't be mad about that. So hopefully Jared Leto will get over it. He has really no choice at this point because it's going to be all over. But um, Joaquin Phoenix was a, was a better Joker. I don't know. There's not really much debate about that one. Yeah, I don't, yeah. There's not really a debate uh, on who was a better Joker. What do you, what do you, what are you saying, Sham? Um. So in regards to this, I mean, I, I think that it is, uh, you know, and I, look to be honest. Joaquin Phoenix did such a good job. I mean, I'm just like, hey, I, not that I do the same thing, but I can't blame him. I mean, now he's out as Joker. You can, now, now they, they're not going to bring him back. Um, I mean, more, more than likely they wouldn't bring him back, uh, even if he just stayed quiet and didn't do anything. Because Joaquin Phoenix is such a spectacular job, it completely overshadows, completely overshadows anything that he would have done um, as a Joker. Um I mean, I think it's unfortunate that it, he had to be so kind of, um, you know, uh, he had to be so much against someone else just trying to play a role that he had played. Um, and to be to be fair, like, I mean, I don't know what what deal exactly was struck between him and Warner Brothers exactly um, with regards to what he was told his role would be as the Joker. Um, so I think this story is kind of not absurd. Well, it is kind of absurd, I guess, just in terms of what he was doing. But, um, yeah, I think overall it's just kind of sad how this, how this happened. I agree with Kendall. I think he's, I think he's a talented act, actor and musician. You know, I think he's a create, he's a, he's a very talented person. I think he, he's going to, he has other, he's going to find other work. He has other work that he's working on. Um, and I look forward to other, other, uh, uh, other movies that I see him in. I think this was uh, the reason why I really did want to talk about this story was because I think it was it really was a great snapshot of just how political the Hollywood game is and how and even involving superheroes. Um, a lot of times, you know, because we've been blessed with this era of superhero movies, especially with how Marvel has run their company, we kind of assume that you know, especially at Marvel, that everything's pretty much above board and everyone's happy and whatever and. It shows you that even with this stuff, man, this this Hollywood atmosphere is cutthroat. And, you know, 
Leto immediately saw what he deemed a threat with this Joaquin Phoenix, Todd Phillips project, Joker. And he tried to use his influence to make sure that the masses never saw that movie and it would help him and his brand that that movie never came out. It makes perfect sense from his from his perspective and from for his his um, for the betterment of his career to do the moves that he made. Uh, morally, you could have that question about whether or not that's good that this is happening. But I think it's important to note just how much uh, political backstabbing and political games get played behind the scenes. So when we talk about why this person didn't do this, why did this company do that? At the end of the day. Everyone is still out to protect themselves, and everyone still has to protect their bag. And Jared Leto saw that his bag was going to be in great jeopardy if this movie came out and Joaquin Phoenix killed it, and nobody ever wanted to see Jared Leto again as Joker. And lo and behold, that's pretty much what happened. Um, he does have some fans who did like his Joker and still would like to have seen him move forward with Margot Robbie's uh, Harley Quinn, but uh, yeah. those people are very quiet uh, right now based on what we saw with uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Sorry, what did you, you think, guys? Did, did you guys see what um you guys saw? Ed Norton was also kind of talking about the Hulk, and he was saying how like he had he had a vision of doing like a Hulk sequel that was gonna be super dark and it was gonna kind of be like a Dark Knight kind of Batman Begins, Dark Knight kind of one two with his first movie, but Marvel just wasn't feeling it and they just didn't come with a high enough number, I think, and they so they just they parted ways, but. It was also an interesting kind of situation in 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 the in the flashback. Uh, do do does anyone? It's so interesting. No one's asked this question. At least I haven't seen anybody ask this question since this story came on. Really, really, even it, through all the praise the Joker has gotten or Joker has gotten in the movie, do we think that Warner Brothers going forward with, the, with Joker was their way of getting rid of Leto? Like, that question, I don't think ever really got asked, is why did they make this movie knowing that they already had a Joker? Because uh, it, se- it, se- it seems like, it seems impossible that you can, that if this movie was great, that you could move forward with anyone other than Joaquin Phoenix. Especially the guy that was, like, maybe you could have someone else new come into the fold, but you think anyone that was before him that didn't knock everyone's socks off wasn't going to work. And if you well, did invest in Leto, why would you put him in this position? Well, I one, I don't think that Leto was... I feel like at that point, he was kind of one foot out the door anyway. But um, I don't think that they... Like, I think these were so separate that, like, I don't think that they, like, really considered... I mean, they knew, like, all right, yeah, if we do this, like, does put Jared Leto in an awkward position. But I think this was the priority for them. How do they not, but how do they not consider that though? He, I mean, he wasn't the priority. I think they did consider it, but but like, if, he, like, if he's not the priority, Kendall, like, doesn't that kind of doesn't that kind of answer the question that like not that they're pushing him out, but that but that they're kind of like like they're no longer he's no longer in their plans and they were not thinking or interested in him in any way. Right. I, I guess I was like the wording of like he like they they made Joker as a vehicle in part to push out Jared Leto. I don't know if that's what their mindset was. Mm-hmm. I think it, that may have been the result. Or that not may have been. It, that that <laughs> is a 100% the result. Yeah, it ended up being the result. But I think their motive was like, 
they got a script and they got an idea that like they were like, man, this is this is uh, gold. And Jared Leto was a a casualty. Sham, it just to me, it just seems too. It seems too clear to anybody with eyes and a brain to put together what could have happened if this went well. To the fact yeah. that to the point that Leto figured it out, <laughs> like Leto figured it out before anyone else because he tried right. to stop it. Right, and that's what I was gonna say was that's why he reacted the way he did. <laughs> exactly. exactly what you're saying. You know, that's why he's like, wait, what? Why? <laughs> and that's why he got upset. Yeah, you know, that's why I said I I, I don't blame him for getting upset. You know. Uh, um, I don't. I don't think this was their intention. I mean, I feel like this movie came around when. It's funny because this movie came around when we were hearing about all these other random DC movies that were being made. Mm-hmm. This movie was, came around. We were like, oh, and they're making a Joker movie, and they're making a Blue Beetle movie, and they're making a this movie, a that movie. That's when we started hearing about all these movies. So I don't think that this was their intention was to replace him. Um, I think this this was them just I think this was them just kind of throwing darts at the wall and just seeing what'll stick and and this script I, or pitch or whatever seemed really good it ended up being really good so they were like yeah we're gonna move forward with it if you guys... and they know how popular the Joker is and they know how popular Batman is so they're like yeah we're gonna do it and you know Leto I mean we have Leto but we're gonna do it anyway <laughs> if, you guys, if you guys remember the original reporting they pitched no, this was through reporting, of course, not through Warner Brothers. They, but they pitched the Joker movie as this standalone, outside of the DCEU movie that could start a brand of darker, rated R, other DC movies that were standalone. The mother movies, we haven't heard anything else besides Joker. <laughs> like, like that's why I'm so, that's why I this whole Todd thing. May have, I think Todd Phillips may have said that. Like I think he you may have, because I think I, that may have been a we have, we have not heard one, we have not heard one thing about a uh, else worlds like that was the word that was used by a couple of people an else worlds DC universe that was that Joker would be a part of not necessarily like that the, these other movies be connected but that it was just movies that kind of stood on their own they were just character pieces that you could enjoy. Um, now we're hearing about can you make a sequel. Can we put this Joker in Batman? Like, like the conversation has changed dramatically. So, yeah, Todd Phillips said that he had that he had pitched Joker as he called it the DC Black, you know, division. But but so much has changed. Like, I don't remember if Hamada was involved with the green lighting of Joker. The the leadership has changed so much I can't even keep up anymore. But we haven't heard those words used ever in the promotion of this movie. Not once. Like, isn't that weird to everybody? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that basically went out the window. Um, something happened, but they that saw, went they, out the window. They saw that reaction. They saw how good this movie was, and they were like, "We we would be insane to 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 write this character off of putting him in any of our major characters that we have." Like, I think they they saw the production that was happening. They were like, "It would be stupid of us to say this guy will never appear in a Batman movie." Or never appear in a future Justice League movie, and then they they just scrapped that idea. Like that's the only thing I can think of. Because why hasn't that? Because if that was the case, then I don't think Leto feels as alienated and feels as hurt as he does today. I get the I get the impression that Leto 
still gets to be his Joker. That was that was what we were being told. That oh, this is totally different, and Leto would still move on, move forward with being his Joker. And we all thought it sounded ridiculous because we were like, now we got two Jokers. What if one's better than the other? Like it never made any sense. So whenever something never doesn't make sense to begin with, I just have to ask questions about what was the overall intention. I yeah, I tend to think that um, DC came out with. I don't know. I like it's it's still a little early because like if this Joker movie, I mean, it's not if it, at this point if it, 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 like it continues to it's going to continue to to grow and can continue to break records. But um, when that point comes, and they may feel like, do we then go forward with a, a brand of movies that are similar to the Joker or in the same universe? I don't. I mean. Do we feel like there's a chance that this is going to connect to other DC heroes that have already already been established or announced? I think that there is. I think that um, I feel like the language we're hearing from everyone involved, they know what they have. They know they see the $700 million worldwide they made off of a radar movie in October, and they know... This is this is now has a potential to become a very lucrative franchise, and they're they don't know what's going to happen, but their language is way more careful than what it was from when they were making this movie, which was tampering down everyone's expectations. You read the quote from Phillips just a couple of minutes ago. They have not spoken like that at all. They've been a lot more careful with what they think the future holds for Walking Phoenix's Joker because I think they now understand that all their options are on the table because just the reception was for the most part very positive. I know there is a, there was a campaign of people who were completely against this movie overall, but if Joaquin Phoenix somehow got lined up with Robert Pattinson, <laughs> right the number, the box office number they get in the opening weekend. I it, it 200 easy. I I mean I really think that's 200 million easy. That's how much conversation is how much eyeballs Joker got, how much uh, hype there would be then to see him then get put across from Batman. So they know that. So they can no longer speak in the same way they were speaking as artists just wanting to create something in a vacuum. It just would be financially foolish. And I'm sure their Warner Brother overlords are not going to let them speak in that way. So I think that there is a chance. Right, yeah. I don't. I don't know if it's likely. I don't know if it's likely. But whenever money is involved, Anything is possible. And usually the thing that's most lucrative ends up being most likely. So that's why I think it would be insane to say that there's no way this Joaquin Phoenix Joker and this concept never crosses over to the other characters. It's one of their most lucrative things they've ever done. Of course there's a chance. I, I think it's possible. I don't think it's likely, and I don't want to see it. Um, I don't know I if like, I want to see it either. To yeah, be, to be, to uh, yeah make, I definitely to don't want to see it. Oh, listen um, I mean... I mean, this movie, I feel like this movie is good on its own. A lot of people asking, begging for a sequel. I'm not begging for a sequel. I think this movie is, is good on its own. Same. Um, you know, I, this, especially with how this Joker is, this isn't the Mark Hamill Joker or the Heath Ledger, Ledger Joker. This is a much more, much more vulnerable uh, portrayal of a man. You know, this isn't the guy that's going to laugh and blow up the hospital, you know, uh, this is a guy with a few bullets in his gun that doesn't really want to be alive and and has had a horrible life and just wants to be seen and just that's it. You know, I don't want to see him go up against 
any kind of superhero, you know. So I don't want to see that. So I I I don't think it's likely. I don't. I think they may pitch it somewhere, but they're gonna someone's at some point is gonna realize this doesn't make sense. I don't know how we're gonna make this work. And if we do it, it's probably not gonna work. It's just gonna ruin a good thing. So I don't think it's gonna happen. But I the, like EJ said. I mean, money's money. Someone's gonna pitch it somewhere along the line. And they're gonna think about it. <laughs> yeah, so I think gonna, it's they're gonna have a big decision to make. Yeah, they're gonna think about it, but I don't think it's gonna happen. Uh, let's move on to saying with uh, the Batman's future. Um, we got some big casting news, man. Uh, we you know we were a little yes. late on this because we didn't do a show last week. But Zoe Kravitz is Catwoman. Paul Dano is Riddler. Um, Jonah Hill is no longer part of the project. So uh, a lot has happened. You know, Jonah Hill was very much uh, rumored to be. A part of this movie in some way he was rumored for maybe riddler he's rumored for maybe penguin he's not playing any of those characters uh their their negotiations broke down paul dano got cat the news of paul dano's casting came down almost the next day or two after the hill thing so that makes me think that it, jonah was probably up for riddler um and maybe dano was their second option uh we know the kravitz was his first option in terms of uh, of, uh matt reeves because when the first reporting came out, they said he wanted a Kravitz-like actress. <laughs> um, and that the reason why it wasn't Zoe was because there was a con- scheduling conflict. Uh, either money spoke, money spoke in some way, because that scheduling conflict got thrown out the window, and now she is indeed involved in the project as Catwoman. So, uh, it's you, Sham. Uh, are you thumbs up or thumbs down in the casting news we heard from the Batman last week? Uh, I am thumbs up. I'm not gonna lie. I've not seen much uh, from Paul uh, Dano, um, uh, but uh, I have seen uh, Zoe Kravitz. I am thumbs up on her being Catwoman. I believe even when we talked about this before with her, I said I, I, you know, was very much thumbs up on that idea. So I, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, and uh, I mean, I feel like, uh, uh, shoot, what's his name? The guy we were just talking about, oh, Jonah Hill, not the Riddler. Jonah Hill. I feel like Jonah Hill uh, would have been an interesting Riddler, but you know, I mean, look, I feel like they need to give it to whoever they feel uh, fits the role best, and uh, I trust Matt Reeves' decision. I think, I think, I think, uh, I think he knows what he's doing. Now, Shamari, you say you never seen Paul Dano, but how could you not if Paul Dano? was Nicholas in one episode of Smart Guy in 1998. You've watched every episode of Smart Guy. <laughs> um, that's a joke for anybody who's ever watched Smart Guy. We're huge Smart Guy fans from Disney, uh, the Disney days. But uh, So, Kendall, what do you think of the casting? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember him in that episode of Smart Guy. He was incredible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> perfect, really. Um, yeah, no, um, it's interesting. You know, Zoe Kravitz, again, it's it's always good, like, whether it's sports or, or, you know, casting. When you have, like, the first candidate get the job, that's always encouraging. Even if you're not a fan of the, the, the casting yourself or the, the hire yourself, the fact that the, the, the team or the, the, the movie, the director got who they wanted is encouraging because they, they had a plan, they had a goal, and they met it. Um, whenever you have to go to your third, fourth, fifth choice, uh, as a fan, it's it's not encouraging because, like, then you feel like, all right, this may not be, this may not be the person, this person may not be good for what they intend this character to be, and that's that's dangerous. But um, 
So you actually feel great about the Zoe Kravitz casting in that regard. Um, I mean, I think it should be a good fit. I, you know, in terms of the people that were mentioned, I think she makes sense. Um, Paul Dano, uh, like you already mentioned, not not super familiar with any of the movies he's made. Uh, I haven't really seen. I don't think any of them. So. Um, I can't give you much, but what I will say is that the people that do that are very familiar with Paul Daniels say this is a perfect casting, and, and so I'm going to trust the the masses for once and say that uh, this this is good news. But Jonah Hill, I always thought the Jonah Hill Riddler thing was a little weird. You know, I know a lot of people were like, a lot of people loved it. They're all oh, so different. You know, everyone thought he'd be Penguin, but him as the Riddler makes so much sense. I, I don't know. I thought him as Penguin made sense, but. Um, I guess now we're just going to have to wait and see if and when we get the Penguin who that person is but they are moving pretty fast with uh, casting even though the movie doesn't come out till 2021 right so uh, yeah have a, little, have a little bit of time but they, they're, they're moving pretty fast so um, the the next shoot drop obviously is getting the Penguin and then whatever other uh, supporting characters they want to add, but they have pretty much the rest of the whole cast. Yeah, the only I, I, I'm looking at, you know, looking through Paul Dano's uh, uh, filmography. Um, I know he's been in Little Miss Sunshine. I know he's been in Twelve Years a Slave. Those are probably the two biggest movies he's uh, he's been in. He's been in Lie, um, but at the, <laughs> it's great. And There Will Be Blood as well, a uh, horror movie. But um, if there was actually the movie I, I actually remember him the most from is uh, The Girl Next Door, which is an old uh, raunchy rom-com. And I'll be honest, from that role he played, he actually would be a really good Riddler. Um, that was now uh, 15 years ago. or almost Yeah, it was 15 years ago. But he kind of played a weird kind of kid, quirky kind of kid in that movie. Um, it's kind of a ridiculous movie if you ever watched it. But uh, but I I could see how like that person that you picked to be that guy and he was great in that role could then be the Riddler like it's same kind of very awkward very quirky kind of person so uh, and I get the impression that that's kind of like looking through the other characters he's played that seems to be the kind of character he plays and I think he looks perfect like we always like to talk about how great um the guy from Gotham who's Riddler because he looks so much like someone who would be the Riddler. I think Dano, when I saw him, I was like, oh, this is this is perfect. This is, you know, as the president likes to say, this is literally central casting. I mean, he this is exactly the kind of person that I would think the Riddler would look like. So um, very little on Dano, but the little I have, I, I thought made sense that they picked him. Uh, the Zoe Kravitz thing to me was just a, a home run, uh, maybe a grand slam. I mean, I, I think that this is uh, pretty much perfect casting. I think Kravitz is an underrated actress who is continuing to get better. And I think she just was kind of... Some people are just born for certain roles. And I think the Catwoman role seemed just really, really up her alley. Um, she, she's got she's got the, the cat-like, feline-like features in her face. Um, she has the kind of Catwoman, Selena Kyle swagger that you need to that for that, that you need to have for that character. Um, it was something that a lot of people didn't think Anne Hathaway could pull off. And I think she did a really good job. But it, there's no question that Zoe Kravitz can pull that off. Um, she's athletic, she's fit. I mean, there's no, there's no negatives to that casting. So 
I can see why that would be someone's first. That was that was Reeves' first choice. I'm glad. Apparently, it was a pretty rigorous testing process. He had he had talked to a lot of women. Um, all the women I saw that were named that actually did do test screens were women of color. So that those reports seem to be true that he was looking for someone who was a, a woman of color. But I, I think that of the people that that were confirmed to have done test screenings from the reporting we saw last week, she would have been my number one choice. So I'm glad that they went with uh, Kravitz. I think it was a great move. And in regard to Jonah Hill, uh, everyone who's reported on, I think Boris Kitt was the one who who came out with it. I think he prefaced it by saying, you know, at the same time, just like anything in Hollywood, anything can be revived. Uh, the fact that Dano got hired so quickly kind of makes me think that that's unlikely. Because, again, I think that Dano was probably their second choice for the Riddler. Because I think it's weird that he would announce that that's not happening in terms of Jonah Hill being any character in the movie. And then all of a sudden you cast someone immediately. That makes me think that you moved on to another person. Uh, I, I, I Look, Jonah Hill is, is mad talented, yo. Like, like he, like he, <laughs> some of the roles he's done since, like, his early, you know, super bad days, like, I never would have thought he could have pulled off. But he's just fantastic. He's a great actor. So I wouldn't have completely written him off to be the Riddler or Penguin or anyone. I would have given him a shot because of just how the, the talent he is. I think he's a top-notch talent. Um, but I think I don't think that it's a tragedy that he's he's gone. And I said this on my um, – I think I said this actually when we were talking about the Jonah Hill story initially. Um, was My concern with it was because Jonah Hill is such a great actor and because he kind of puts his imprint on everything he does, like would – he be too much considering the we assume the Riddler is not going to be a major villain in the Batman movie. And it sounds like it kind of ties to that conversation that money was an issue. And I get the impression that his number was just too high for the amount of time, screen time he was going to get. So I think that if you're talking about Jonah Hill not playing a major, major role, he wanted a zoomerant amount of money, I mean, I think it did make sense to move on. Now, if he was the main character, if he was the main villain, then I would say, okay, well, if he's Penguin or if Riddler is the main villain and you decide not to go with him, I would say uh, I, I would have forked it over because he's that kind of talent. But if it is more of a cameo role or it's more of a maybe 5, 10, 50, 10 minutes of screen time type of role, I don't know if he would have been the best fit for that. Maybe you could find a cheaper actor who's really good but won't uh, maybe dominate the screen the way Jonah would. You know, someone who I could really lose myself into them being this character, not thinking, oh, here's Jonah playing the Joker. Like, when Paul Dano plays the Riddler, that's a joke, I meant the Riddler. Um, when Paul Dano plays the Riddler, like, I'm not going to think, oh, it's Paul Dano playing the Riddler, because, like, he, he doesn't have a body of work, and he's not this big personality that makes me, you know, never forget who he is in the character. Now, I think maybe, so Kravitz is kind of that person, but because she's playing a role that's so perfect for her, it won't be as big an issue. So I think that's, was, that makes that I think that 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 came into play. I think Jonah Hill, whatever role he was going for, wasn't going to be your top villain type role, and that therefore um, the money he was asking for is going to be too much. Fun fact: um, uh, <laughs> Zoe Kravitz is, is, is Jason Momoa's stepdaughter. I had no idea. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, because his 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 mother is Lisa Bonet. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's just like you know, yeah, you uh. Connected dots. It's just funny because he's only like forty something. Yeah, that is, that is very interesting. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, I think you may be right about that. EJ you definitely could be right about the the price point being. Uh, and look, money money is money. You know that definitely 
uh, has a big impact when it comes to casting these roles, and it probably has a bigger impact than we even realize when it comes to them casting some people and not choosing to cast some people. You know, it probably is one of, if not the most important factors. Um, I do feel like Jonah Hill, while he is kind of a, he's definitely a name and a face. I, I do feel like he's talented enough to the point where, you know, you 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 do see always oh, Jonah Hill, but you know once he gets into the role, you're invested in the role. Um, I feel like he just from from what I've seen from him lately, I feel like he definitely has that kind of talent, where he makes you think, oh wow, look at this character that I'm seeing. You know, you almost forget it's even him uh, mm-hmm. until it's over, and then you're like, oh wow, he did a spectacular job. Um, so I feel like I think he. I, I'm a fan of his work, so I think he would have been worth it. But you know, I think we'll see when the movie comes out how he does. Um, so. um, last last story before we do these reviews, real quick, I do want to touch on it. Uh, the Rock confirmed uh, earlier uh, last week that Black Adam will, in fact, go into production July 2020. This is finally our first confirmation that this movie is getting off the ground. We kept hearing, oh, it's happening, it's happening, but nothing was ever confirmed. This is our first confirmation directly from The Rock, who responded to a fan who made a sculpture of him as Black Adam, um, which is really cool, by the way, that he responds to this dude. It's oh, a yeah. beautiful sculpture, by the way. Uh, and Rock had said that, you know, it's very cool that the project has been with him for 10 years, uh, which is kind of crazy. I kind of forgot it's been this long. Cat. You don't. Do you think that's Cap, Kendall? That you, ten years. Get out of here. It's well. When did the DCU DCU start? I, I, I look, ten I'm, years I'm seems like doing, a long time. I'm not doing the math, but I just know that The Rock hasn't been thinking about playing Black Adam strongly for ten years. But Man of Steel came out in 2013. How's it been ten years? Yeah, so that's not true. Yeah, you know, if it, if it may, have you maybe thought about being in superhero movies for ten years? Oh well, yeah, that's probably. And, and maybe that's what he's talking about. Maybe he's saying it's a superhero yeah, movie, super my first superhero project I've wanted to do this for ten years. That sounds about right. You but, don't think that there's any way Warner Brothers came up to him in two thousand nine and said we want you to be Black Adam? No way. No, I don't think so. Either. <laughs> why? I mean, so why am I? Why am I the one? Usually, I'm the most skeptical one in the show. Why am I the one who kind of feels like this? Because he's such a big actor that that could have The most rope I'll give him is that, like... Even back then. The most rope I'll... Look, I mean, he wasn't the mummy, but the most rope I'll give him is that, like... Look, did he have a list of characters that he could potentially be playing and there was, like, 30 names on there and Black Adam was on there? Maybe. And, like, he was like, oh, yeah, it's my dream job to play Black Adam. I've thought about it for 10 years. But he hasn't circled Black Adam as a character for no more than five or six. With that being said, <laughs> the movie is indeed happening. Uh, so, so now that we, we we know this is happening, Sham, do you like the way they're going forward with this? You know, Shazam, uh, Shazam first, Black Adam solo movie second. Um, I mean, it is what it is. I feel like, um. I don't know. I mean, this is going to be a very interesting movie. Because Black Adam is, um, I mean, he's not just a supervillain. He's also a leader of a nation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know how much of that they're going to infuse into this movie. But, I mean, I feel like it I expect be, it will be a lot. 
Yeah, I I think it should be. I think that I think it would benefit the movie a lot. I think it would benefit its characterization a lot. I think The Rock is going to have to put a lot more nuance, or I would hope he puts a lot more nuance into this character. He can't just be The Rock, which is really mm-hmm. all I've seen him do in mm-hmm. all of his movies. <laughs> yeah. Without any exceptions. You know, he's always been The Rock. So in this movie, he's going to have to be much more than that. And when's the last uh, time The Rock has played someone who's I mean, you can make the case that maybe Black Adam the anti-hero, but I mean, he, he's he's a not a good person. Like, yeah, Black Adam's not. A, the Rock doesn't really play that character that yeah, often. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd say Hobbs. I mean, Hobbs in the fat in the fifth Fast and Furious movie. In that movie, he's. I mean, he's working for the government, but he's not like doing good stuff in that movie. Right. So, you know, he. You could. I think it's safe to say he was the villain in that movie. Mm-hmm. For basically, mo- basically most of the movie to the very, very end. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm very, very fascinated to see uh, what he's able to do. I mean, this, the the order. I mean, uh, I'm hoping they can turn this into a Black Adam and Shazam movie to some extent. But um, we'll see. Will, will we see, do you think we'll get a uh, uh, Zachary Levi? I think we should. Um, I expect some kind of cameo yeah. at some point. Yeah, that's gonna happen. Makes sense. I, I wonder. I I can't help but wonder in this climate if when if or when they will get any kind of smoke for casting a non Middle Eastern man to be Black Adam. Like the it, Rock comes yeah. with very little smoke, but for I, anything, I know because he's so <laughs> beloved. But uh, it is kind of odd that no one questioned it when it happened. And the thing is, like, Black Adam comes, he doesn't have, like, nobody, I hate to say nobody cares about Black Adam because they do, but, like, nobody is, like, I feel like there aren't that many people that identify with Black Adam to the point where, like, obviously, if you made Black Adam white, it'd be, a, it'd be an issue. But I don't think there are going to be people that are, like, you know, he's got to be of a certain cultural or of a certain ethnicity or else this character is ruined i mean because, like, I, I think black adam has to be from the middle east i mean i, I think i don't think, I think that, that if can they be are yeah i think if they're using if they're going to use kandak like to a significant extent which i do think would be good for the story i think it's gonna it's not gonna look good <laughs> if it's not someone from that region um though i also think the fact that i think it would be a lot worse if Black Adam, um, I mean, you know, I'm, I mean, uh, if he were of, uh, if his powers came from some kind of, um, if it, say his, his powers came from like the Hindu gods or something along those lines, like Muslim, you know what I mean? Like, Muslim like, God, like a Muslim, yeah, Allah, you know, right. it was something from Allah or something Judeo-Christian or something along those lines, right. where it was from a religion in the region. Right. I'd be like, oh boy, you know, this is really not good. But it's from like his powers come from like Greek gods, right? Or is it like? Um, I believe Shazam. Yeah, I believe is uh, yeah influenced by the Greek gods. Yeah. So I mean, it's I mean he's Middle Eastern, but he's getting to, he has powers from gods that are from like the, Medi- the Greece. So I guess it's the Medi- Mediterranean kind of Europe, yeah, European area, which I mean isn't that far. I mean it's far, but it's not like you know. There aren't any ocean borders, I guess. So I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't. Know, it's complicated. For so, sure. 
you know, it's. Yeah, I just it's feel like I, I just feel like in this climate with a Middle Eastern character, it would be odd if they just tried to avoid all ties to the Middle East with this character. Yeah, it just would be. It would look bad, which is why again, I'm, I, well, is why I asked the question of, I, yeah. will that ever become an issue? I, I, it's, I feel like it can't not become an issue in this day and age. It, but, like, but if I, anyone would test that, it's The Rock because he, 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 every, he Again, his approval rating amongst Americans would be ninety eight percent. No one has anything bad to say about him, really. So, like, he would be the person to test this with. But I do, and and it speaks to how far we've come in the years since he got cast. Because I didn't hear one person ever talk about that. But I, my brain, which did not think about this way, think this way six, seven years ago, whatever, whenever he actually got picked for the role. My brain is forced to think of this way now when I look at a Middle Eastern character and see that it's being played by a black Samoan. It, it's um It is it is something I think about. It, it's I guess my thing was that like again, I think the black Adam character is not somebody that people are gonna be that's not gonna bother people as much as like if they made Miss Marvel, if they cast someone who's a black Samoan to play Miss you know, Kamala Khan. For sure, I agree with that. That's a different because she has a different uh, impact, and you know people identify with her more than they would Black Adam. He's a villain. That's fair. You know, like I feel. I mean, there may be some people that are gonna be like, "Oh, I look up to Black Adam. He's like there aren't that many, you know, characters from the Middle East in, in comic books." And that's fair. But I guess to me, I just it's just not just, gonna be the same number of people that are gonna complain about that. But just like, and I know it's a little bit apples and oranges, but I kind of feel like it could kind of become the same conversation we've had with Magneto. Like, Magneto's a villain, and Magneto, um, where he's from is important to him. Where Black Adam is from is 100% important to him. He runs the country. So, like, that's why, I, I as, that's probably why that, that example comes to mind, too, is... But it's also, like, I mean, if, if I'm, I don't think Oscar Isaac is Egypt, is Egyptian. But he played Apocalypse, and nobody nobody cared. Yeah, because Apocalypse is blue. But like he's playing an Egyptian guy. In the I movie. know, but like to me, Black Adam is clearly from. Like, he's the wearing East. the Egyptian guard. He's supposed to be from Egypt. Like, yeah, but I think I think it's, like, I, 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 think he, it's I think it's different being comparing him to Apocalypse. Apocalypse doesn't look human. Like this guy looks like a Middle Eastern man. Like no one can argue that. Like that's clear. But that's what he, like he's always been. But then, what's the what's the controversy? Like, let's say the. Let's I don't want to think. I don't want to say I'm making up a controversy. I was just asking a question of whether or not like, that would be asked, and I think that that's my question undou- is undoubtedly going to happen. Like, why can't The Rock play Black Adam and he still be from the Middle East? The question, In theory, that's problematic. The question, but well, yeah, I think, I think you know the answer before. to that question. But if I have to answer it, the answer would be, well, I'm sh- as I I, I I could almost guarantee you a representation in Hollywood from the Middle East. Is very small. Like, why wouldn't you look for someone who's from Middle East descent to represent that region? That's the that's the answer that people who would right. be upset about this would give you. And that that's fair. But then, like I said, why like Apocalypse? There wasn't that conversation. I think I'm I'm answering your question. I'm I, I, to answer that question before. I think it's because he's blue. I'm not. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying. I'm just. That's what I think is the reason. I think. Right. Like I think people don't look at him and think Egyptian. Because he doesn't look anything like an Egyptian man, but they they didn't really go very 
that, that movie had a lot of issues. They didn't go very much into his like Egyptian past and everything. Like this guy is going to be unless they change stuff drastically. It's going to be very very clear what region he's from, what he's about, and if they decide to just say we're going to still cover it, but it's being played by someone who's not from that region, or we. We're gonna retcon it, or we're gonna ignore it. At I, I see, I see trouble on the horizon. If anyone can survive, it's the Rock. I think that it will be fine. But and I'm not trying to stir up anything. But it just seems in this day and age, it seems inevitable. I, I don't want to be the I don't, I don't want to be the person who's like you know way behind stuff, and all of a sudden like stuff pops off, and I'm like, well, we should have seen this coming. Like this seems obvious to me. Like, this seems inevitable. See, I don't think I don't I don't think that um the rocks I don't think Black Adams like stuff with the Middle East will be like played up as much as like I don't think it's gonna, just like uh, Apocalypse's Egyptian roots weren't really played up that much. I don't think a Black Adams Middle Eastern roots are gonna be played up that much more. But it's a lot easier to do that in an X Men movie. Where there are right. a lot of other heavy hitters. Yeah. When you're doing a, a Black Adam movie, where the only person who's right. remotely recognizable to anyone is going to be Black Adam, unless you're telling me there's some other big DC character going to be in that we don't know about, it, that's a lot harder to do. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's definitely going to be interesting. Now, um, one thing that I I also want to point out, just I guess to just give some context with regards to Middle Eastern representation, the last big Middle Eastern representation we've had in American movies has been Aladdin, Aladdin yep. which was very successful. I believe they actually used actual like Bollywood actors and actresses as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, you know, they, they, so they got people from the area. Right, exactly. And, and they, they took, they actually found talent and from the area. And in fact, area. because Jasmine was like half, I believe, half Indian or half whatever okay. she was be, like, even that caused some controversy. It was very small. Right. But even but that, that goes back to my bit. point of like Aladdin, like the whole like there's a much different cultural impact for Aladdin than there is for Black right. Adam. That's true. You know, just like again, like like Miss Marvel. You know, I don't think people are going to care because I don't think anybody's looking to Black Adam. I I see what your point about the issues with Hollywood, but in terms of like people looking at Black Adam as a character they identify with, like you try to do that with Black Panther. We try to do that to, you know, like I mentioned Kamala Khan, or we try to do that with anybody that has that kind of impact. Now, even Magneto being Jewish is something we've talked about is is, is dangerous. But even that is like you can probably change because he's a supervillain. So now, one thing, one thing that I also want to point out is look at the. Reaction to, I mean, we talk about Shang Chi and how oh Disney did such a great job with that and da da da. People did, they did the bare minimum of research into Shang Chi, and there's already controversy about Fu Manchu. Yeah, right. Why are they using this character? Yeah, is is from Canada. Right, Canada. Why are they doing this? And there's all this outrage. You know, it's gonna take the bare minimum of research into Black Adam and be like, who is this guy? Right, he's running his own Middle Eastern nation. And, and the guys, like, why is the Rock this guy? Like, why is the Rock playing? I mean, it, it just seems. It just again. I'm not trying to stir up any controversy. I'm just. It just seems like one plus one equals two, and we've seen this story play out too much. So, do you guys think that there will be a conversation? You think that'll be a narrative when this movie gets closer? I think to it's. Release? I think it will happen. I can't I, speak to how big it will be. 
I can't. I don't think. I, I don't. I'd be shocked if, if if people bring that up because of the Rock and because it's Black Adam. I'd be shocked. <laughs> Uh, we'll I mean, it'll be interesting. It's a Black Adam movie, and I mean, he runs his own nation. If they, it depends on how much they emphasize Kandak. I'm, I'm gonna put it that way. That, you know, I if, agree with that. Yeah, if if Kandak is just kind of very much in the background, and you know, they're just kind of he's Black Adam, he has powers, and he's trying to do evil stuff, then I don't, I don't think people are gonna really care as much. But if he they show him he, he's running his nation. Then I feel, like or if they completely, or if they completely change it, and all of a sudden he's from like American Samoa or something. Like I think even that would also cause some issues. They'd be like, "Well, this is a character that absolutely could have represented the Middle East in Hollywood, and they elected to just retcon it for the sake of the Rock." So those yeah. questions, I've seen it happen too much. They seem inevitable, uh, but we'll see how they uh, play out. Um, we are running very low, long on time. Uh, just one sentence on. Green Arrow and Canary spinoff with uh, Kat McNamara starring as the Green Arrow, uh, Oliver's daughter, with uh, uh, Kate Cassidy and uh, and Harkin, Juliana, Juliana Harkin, Harkin-y. Um Shamari, uh, you are buying or selling this is a good idea for CW? Real quick. I'm buying it. I like what I've seen from all, really all these actor actresses um, in Arrow. And um, I I suspect I'll like this more than um, or I I think I definitely had the potential to like it even more than Supergirl uh, and Batwoman so far. Kendall, so I'm very much I'm very much looking forward to it. What do you think, Kendall? Uh, no, I I don't have much to say about this. Not really uh, interested about it. Um, I guess you know we'll see how it looks in the premiere, but. Whenever it pilots, whenever the pilot comes out, but no real enthusiasm for this one. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm a, I'm also gonna say I'm not that thrilled about this. I just feel like um, the characters that they're sending, they're circling, they're centering this around, aren't people that have been developed well enough. Um, we, I mean, we we got a lot of flashbacks with Mia Smoke last year, but her character seemed very one one-dimensional there really wasn't much dimensions to her um they've tried to do more with the black siren slash canary character um and i you know i don't know i just i just think i don't think these characters are developed enough now maybe you could argue well now they have a show to develop them more but in terms of driving me in i'm not saying that it's going to be a bad show but in terms of what they've established with these characters and are these three characters i'm looking forward to seeing now in their own show no, I I would have preferred probably other characters. Maybe they developed better um, on the show. Like if you would have did the first Laurel Lance, I would have maybe been more intrigued. Um, if you would have did, you know, like what we saw what they did with Legend of Tomorrow, putting um, uh, uh, the White Canary the character that was very developed and we knew a lot about, and there was excitement for that because we enjoyed that character and who they put her with, Ray Palmer, someone we were familiar with, who they developed a little bit. Um, now, obviously, these characters had even had more screen time than Ray Palmer did, but I just haven't seen quite enough to be excited for it yet. But it doesn't mean it can't be a great show. So we'll see how that goes. That's supposed to come out uh, sometime next year or in 2021. And uh, let's do let's do these show recaps. So let's start with the Flash. Um, so we had a season premiere in episode two. Uh, huh. I thought that I thought the season premiere was kind of weird. Um, I really wasn't crazy about it. I thought the idea that a black hole 
like their special effects couldn't keep up with the idea that like a black hole was coming up out of nowhere and like what that would do like to me like a black hole like everything in your area would be like just sucked up and crazy like when it first uh you know when it happened to uh iris the first time like just a couple of trash things moved but she really didn't seem that affected and then what happened in jitters like everything was flying around and then what happened in the middle of the city it was like kind of inconsistent with how dangerous it is i just because we've had a lot of conversations recently with NASA finding black holes and stuff, I feel like I've learned a lot more about them, and they didn't seem to represent what a black hole, if it just showed up randomly, what that would do. Like, so, that, like, that, it already lost me in that, and the idea that it was the, the kid who was doing the YouTube channel that was behind it, that didn't quite work. I, I think the story got bad in the second episode, as they cer- certainly seemed to kind of hearken more and more on the monitor and the fate of the crisis on infinite earth which we'll talk a lot about obviously the next show arrow we talk about so that one i liked a little bit more but i do feel like like the freak of the week kind of concept for flash is going to be a a struggle knowing that at the end of the day we're just wondering what's going to happen on december whatever the day is when he's supposed to die like if that everything that happens before then just seems like not that important and that's how i kind of felt about these first two episodes Jeff? Yeah. Um, I mean, Flash has kind of just been on the downturn lately. Uh, these first two episodes, were, I, I didn't think they were that great. The best parts about them were everything having to do with Crisis. Yes. Um, so that's, I like when I hear anything regarding Crisis. Those are the best parts. Basically, really everything else. I'm just kind of like, yeah, okay. You know, the, with the, the blood dude and Oh yeah, that blood dude. I, I have no interest in anything. You know, like I I call him Mohinder Suresh because he was Mohinder Suresh in Heroes, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'd, I I mean, this is just that storyline. I, I have no interest in that storyline. It seems ridiculous. Um, I have no interest in these filler villains, the black hole guy, and then this that girl and. I mean, that scene when Barry was running at that girl's uh, vibrations for some reason. That was the most poorly written, poorly... I'm like, why is he running into the vibration? Oh, yeah, that she was awful. She can't keep track of him. She doesn't have super speed, super sense. Just run around her and hit her or something. That was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But I was just, <laughs> the Flash's writing has just been way off right lately, and I don't know what... Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with the Flash. So I, I didn't like these first two episodes very much. I, I'm just hoping they emphasize more of the crisis or they flesh out this, this blood guy a little bit more, um, blood work. I believe the name, the character's name is, I am curious what the deal is oh. with, uh, with what they're going to, with what the Godspeed thing is. Cause I kind of got excited. I was like, Oh my God, Godspeed. Yeah. That was the biggest thing I've like, ever. It was like some, it was just some, some I, random, they didn't, I mean, I don't know what it something. is. There, there was, uh, yeah. I don't know what the guy is. who couldn't speak. And they were like, we keep getting these, these different Godspeeds. Godspeeds. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Very strange. I get the impression that somehow Godspeed wouldn't up being the main villain for the season. Maybe I'm crazy. I can't imagine this Bloodborne oh, thing is, looks so it. looks so awful. I just can't imagine that that's going to be the the end game. I think there's something bigger. And I think they kind of teased that Godspeed thing in there to put in to kind of keep in the back of your mind that actually that's where we're going. But it, we have a longer story to tell with the crisis with this Bloodborne guy and. 
we're gonna get there, but it's gonna be a little long later in the season. Yeah. Um This has been I mean, this has been, you know, pretty pedestrian from the flash. Which unfortunately is becoming more normal. Um you know, I feel like uh they've done a they've done a good job in terms of like you know, I think the characters um have been good. You know, I think like some of the character development from you know I think Caitlin has been pretty good. I think Cisco has been pretty good. Cisco's supposed to be leaving the show, right? That was so, the word, yeah. I, like, I I can kind of see... I think I can kind of see where the story is headed with... You know, he, he seems to be getting more and more disillusioned with the, the with his life, with his lifestyle, and, the, you know, having the juggle being a, a, a superhero, more or less, not really a superhero, but part of a superhero team, and, you know while still trying to manage having just an actual normal life. And, you know, there, there seems to be more tension between him and Barry. So I could see that they're, may, they may slowly but surely be riding Cisco out of the show. I think some of the Caitlyn stuff's been pretty good. Um, I think some of the stuff with Barry and Iris has been pretty good as well. But just the stories have been so, like, the, the character individual development's been pretty good, but the... The plots have been just so boring. Yeah, the plots like, of every episode, the central plot of every episode, just hasn't good to me enough. Like, yeah, I, I, I just could, I couldn't care less about, you know, Esperanza and Allegra Gomez. Yeah, Allegra Gomez. Oh, Garcia, I mean, or, yeah, Garcia, you know, uh, what you call it? Like Shamari said, Mohinder, you know, Mohinder Suresh, and yeah, his, Chester P. Runk. Yeah, yeah, Chester P. Runk. That was my guy, man. <laughs> Chester P. Runk, man. Twitch legend. Um, <laughs> uh, nah, yeah. Um, uh, do we, is he supposed? Is he? Do we think he's gonna be like a recurring character, or is he just like? Because they I, I get, stay there. Yeah, I think I think we'll see him every now and then. I don't know in what aspect, but he'll he'll be back. I think they clearly like what they created in him. He was. He was kind of interesting. It was funny, but I don't know what future he has. But yeah, I think we'll see him again. Um, I do feel like I do agree with Kendall. Yeah, that the main stories have been kind of off. I, I kind of enjoyed Barry's travel to Earth three to see Garrick and uh, and Joan Williams, who looked like his wife. It looked like rather uh, Barry's mom. Um, but like again, like you said, like the stories that kind of delve into crisis are most interesting, and that was a crisis arc in that episode that was great i think that the end of the uh you know when the monitor showed up and talking about you know north message being destroyed and barry's uh you know impending death like all that stuff is interesting and fascinating i kind of feel like with this show you can tell why doing crisis in fall made the most sense and i think the flash is being hurt by it the most because to me, they look like a show that they don't know what to do until December, the first two episodes. Like, they just, I mean, the first episode, the first season premiere to me was just such a dud. And they followed it up with, a, I thought, a much better episode, but even the side of, the side stories are just so meh. Like, I think that they would have preferred they could have got this thing out of the way a lot quicker. So now they're kind of stuck. That's the way I see it. Yeah, like, this do we think that this was like 
that they're kind of writing this with the idea that they're writing this almost with the idea that what you call going to be a little sooner maybe i think what happened was i think that they probably had a story planned out for crisis to be early something happened where they told them hey this is gonna have to be now in the winter and they had to rewrite their stories to to make it work because to me like to me like the second episode definitely plays more like an episode closer to like a big event like to me like the fact that now he has this information and he's gonna sit on it for months seems odd but i think it's because they wrote a story now they're trying to just work with what they got I don't know. That's the impression I. That's the impression I have. I, I could be way off on that, but we do know at at one point or another, Flash me. Uh, crisis was supposed to be in fall, so something drastically changed. So I was very curious to see how Arrow and Flash will handle it. Flash mm-hmm. seemed to handle it very poorly, so that makes me wonder if their plans were kind of thrown off by it. And with the kind of the stories they were telling, it seemed like, oh yeah, like these stories are nonsense. So we don't need to see. Uh, you know this. Uh, you know this Allegra Garcia and Chester P. Run. Like these are like these are stories that we should be seeing in like episode sixteen or you know thirteen when you're trying to get a filler episode. Like these shouldn't be your season premieres type episodes. Not so. Like that tells me that they they kind of got stuck and they're, they're trying to just put something together. They were I don't think they were expecting to have to come out of the gates with something that wasn't completely immersed in crisis. That's how I think this <laughs> it makes sense yeah yeah I, I i agree with you there i think something must have there must have been some kind of audible something must have yes yeah, so now they're trying to slow walk to crisis and it's, it's i think it's gonna be a tough job i mean we got two months that's a lot of episodes they got to get to before we get to it um so we'll see how they how they figure that out uh arrow uh, which i thought was i thought was smart that that season premiere arrow happened after the uh, second episode of flash because we saw in Flash, you know, Barry see the vision of what was going to happen to Earth if he didn't sacrifice himself, which was basically everyone, the Earth being swallowed up and everyone disappearing and dying. Uh, at the end of uh, the episode of Arrow, where we see him in Earth 2, we get to see that happen. We see um, um, his Earth, that Earth that he was put in to try to find whatever the Monitor had him on his wild goose chase to find. Um, the Earth uh, that he was on disappear and 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 die so i thought that was really great kind of cross show storytelling that made a lot of sense and i enjoyed the heck out of this hour episode um it was kind of goofy to see like adrian chase as arrow as or the hood because like like chase like that character chase is just such like he like he's so like weird and so clearly like mentally off that like he, he needs to be a villain that was weird to see someone who's like a hero be so weird, but <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it for me, it was just best for like nostalgia and like bring me back. right. Yeah, it was just cool to have. It was just cool to have Prometheus back. Like it was cool to see him play that role, but it just didn't make sense for a hero to be like that. Um, but I I enjoyed the episode, man. Like I I didn't know what was going on. I I liked uh putting him in Earth Two. I kind of hoped that he would stay there longer. I kind of hope that maybe that was what he where he's been this whole time, that he was in Earth Two and then he had to do whatever he did in Crisis and then that was what happened to him. They never he never came back to Earth One, so I don't know what this means now that I guess he's gonna go back home. But uh, I, I mean, you start the episode and he's back on the island and you see the cow and 
you see uh you know his his mom and Tommy's alive and it's a it, it's a pretty striking change and, and then as you see what's going on it kind of makes sense I enjoyed the episode it was a lot of fun it wasn't perfect but I, I just thought it was uh it was really nice to kind of come in not knowing what to expect which we kind of don't aren't used to seeing with DCW shows and being just punched in the face was something that no one could have really anticipated. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, I I really enjoyed really everything about the premiere. I, I'm trying to think of anything that I really didn't like. Um, but no, I, I had a great time from start to finish. I loved the twists and turns. I loved Tommy being the Dark Archer. You know, I loved the um, uh, just really everything that was going on with that alternate Earth. And I mean, I guess Diggle being there was kind of random, and it felt like they just threw him into the plot just to have Diggle there. <laughs> but um, I mean, outside of that, I, I mean, I really... it seemed like it seemed too easy. Like Diggle shouldn't have been able to find. Yeah, him he easily. just showed up. I'm like, oh, Diggle's there? How did he get there? It's just go gave this to me. I'm like, how do you know what you were doing? I'm like what? Yeah, like what? Like, All right, you know what? I'm the viewer, and I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, like, that seems like something too easy to write. It. Oh, Cisco said, and it's like, yeah, of course he did. Part part of me kind of well, was hoping it was like Earth Two Diggle, who was like in the beginning of following Oliver again, and I kind of think they missed an opportunity. Like I would have loved to have seen like him and that other Diggle like make the connection that he had with his other Diggle. Like I don't know. It was kind of uh, it was kind of like a good parallel though to see that like even though it was the old Diggle, like they kind of had the same dynamic as yeah. when they first. You know, he's still kind of running away from him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But yeah, that was uh, that was cool. I I just thought the episode was, I thought it was a great premiere. It was it's funny because he was on another Earth, but it was also a really great com- callback to the first season, and the previous seasons just as a whole with yeah. Adrian Chase and everything. I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought it was a great episode. Yeah, a great cliff cliffhanger at the end. Um, I was I was thoroughly impressed, and I like the um the flash forwards as well. With Diggle, with Diggle's Diggle Junior. and um, or or JJ John Junior. Yeah, and uh, and the Destro Gang and and uh, uh, Mia Smoke and all Destro, the Destro Diggle's brother. Yes. So yeah. do do we know? Well, who is... well, so Connor Hawk is of course uh, is uh, Bronze Tiger's son. Diggle takes him. All oh, right, right, right. And yeah. John Diggle Junior. Yeah, yeah, Diggle. Yeah. John Diggle Jr. is Deathstroke, or the head right. of the Deathstroke gang. Yeah, the head of the Deathstroke gang. Right. But yeah, so that I just I just like that old dynamic and everything there. So I I'm digging it. I'm and shout right and shout out to Arrow. Unlike uh, yeah, unlike um, uh, Swamp Thing for oh you got you know a biracial you know you got a white woman a black man they have a kid okay find a man who looks biracial you know. You know, don't have like you know two white parents, and you get a light skinned dude, like we had from uh from what's the name? Like that was good casting, right. you know, common sense casting that somehow Swamp Thing seemed to not get right there. Yeah, no, Arrow uh, has been pretty. I think I think that first episode was decent. You know, it was definitely kind of a weird kind of like way to start off the season. You know, you really. Like, I don't say it's hard to follow because it wasn't really hard to follow, but it was just like 
you know, whenever you start with anything, whenever you start with anything like that in kind of a bizarro world, it's kind of it's a little jarring. But um, I think the story they told of the one-off was really cool, and like it was cool how they kind of explained how like yeah, like this is a real like sometimes you have these one-offs where it's like this this is like just impossible like they just completely change these characters and everything but like the way they the way they essentially explain this is that this is just this is the same world but if oliver was on the island for five more years and wasn't in these people's lives this is why this is how it went terribly you know kind of a a, an alternate reality in that sense and that was cool but not yeah you know i um I liked the performances of some of the the OG actors that came back. You know, perform, uh, you know, like say Adrian Chase and Jamar mentioned Tommy Merlin and uh, Moira Queen and you know, it's funny how they they just like like yeah, yeah, Walter. Yeah, Walter's gone. I was like, what? But which is totally I don't know. I don't think that, that I'm not sure if that that would have happened, but whatever. Um, but yeah, no, this was uh, I, it was, I thought it was a good episode. The 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 Batman stuff, I don't know what to make of that, you know. Oh, I think that was, yeah. I mean, I think that was their, like, uh, call to, I think that was their call to, you're going to see something, you're going to see Bruce Wayne or or Batman in Crisis. I think they were putting it right in your face initially, that we're combining worlds and anything is possible. We've heard the rumors yeah, about yeah, ti- yeah. Titans appearing potentially, and we've heard. We already have a Batwoman show now. So. We have a Batwoman show. We've, we, you know, Titans may be appearing in, in the crossover. We got all these other old actors coming back to play roles. So I think that was their way of saying that anything's possible. And that's why they threw that in there. It definitely seemed fan service y, but I, I, I didn't mind it because this is going to be fan service. With, with Crisis, that's what it is. I do gotta say there's yeah, one thing there's one thing I did not like about this episode. I did think that uh I didn't like that Tiny Merlin just like gave it up. Like he had this whole big plan. <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah, he has this whole big plan, he's been working on it for years, Oliver comes back out of nowhere and he just Oliver just talks him out of it. He's like, Oh, my code is unbreakable, you'll never be able to stop it. And Oliver's like, Look, man, just stop this and he's like I whatever. <laughs> I'm like, well, what? Like, I, I don't know. I really hope there would have been some other twist when that happened. And like, he just was like, all right, I'll turn off the bomb. And I'm like, well, come on, man. That was weak. I, I get what they're trying to go for that. He was able to still touch Tommy's heart because Tommy at the end was still good. But we've also seen so many of these like Earth 2 doppelgangers and stuff. And they're just like evil people. Like they're not who they were in your Earth. So I don't I don't know. I thought that was. A little and that's what I that's wild. what I liked about this. You know, I kind of like that this wasn't like just an evil or got an evil Tommy. That is and fair. Evil, like these are essentially the same people, but like I said just different play out slightly differently that affected them so much. Yeah. Um. Right. Lastly, what do we think of Titans? Um. This was our 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 Bruce Wayne episode that just recently came out. Uh, the episode before was a Superboy uh, centric episode. I thought these were, I thought these were really good. Um, I think the Bruce Wayne episode, I did feel like, and I talked to you guys when we watched it, we watched it together. I, I do feel like I'm tired of the fake person in your head trope that TV is doing, and I do feel like they're doing it because of what happened with Batman Arkham, um, with Arkham Knight doing it with Batman and Joker, and having this character like who's not actually there just in your head for the entire time. 
I can't remember how many times we've seen it, but we've seen it a lot now in these superhero shows. And I think it's 1,000% they're taking it from that idea. The OG. The OG was uh, Slade and Teen Titans, man. Might be the best episode of Teen Titans. With Slade and <laughs> Robinson. Mm, that, is... that, was, that, was, that one was crazy. But, but we've seen Arrow do with Tommy Merlin last year. Um, and we've just we've seen it a bunch of times. I can't quite remember all of them, but it's 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 a clear trope. And oh well, Jessica Jones did it with uh, with um, with Purple Man, you know, throughout all of last the previous season, not this recent one, but the one from last season. And like I'm tired of it. Like I, I like it was a good episode, but I just I'm like okay, I get it. Like this is something that people like doing now, but I, I don't think I need to see that again. Uh, I do think that. Um, Ian Glenn is definitely starting to get more comfortable in that Bruce Wayne role. I think because he was a figment of Dick's imagination, he was actually able to have way more fun with it. I think he took advantage of that, so I enjoyed him. And the episode I thought was was pretty good. Uh, the kid, man, that uh, the kid Karen that plays Jason Todd is the kid's a star. I thought that last episode, I thought he was. I thought that might have been his best performance. I think it's been in a string of great performances since he's really come on to the show. But uh, I, I enjoy those episodes. I, I'm, I'm still kind of... I think the jury's still out on Superboy for me. When you have someone that's so powered and so... Um, such a strong character and your budget is so small, like, making that character work is a little tricky. I think some of the things we saw in episode two episodes ago where he's... they try and do special effects where he's crashing through walls and stuff, like... It's just hard, I think, to make that look not cheap. There were a couple of times where I thought it did look a little cheap. So, I we'll have to see if they can continue to make that work. Okay. Um, I I enjoyed uh, both of these episodes. I thought they were both very strong. Um, I thought the effects on Superboy were good. I mean, I remember watching Smallville. I mean, he was literally called the Blur for like five seasons, and he was <laughs> literally a blur. So, I mean, <laughs> to me, I think there's a is very much is <laughs> very much an improvement and I, I like I thought the effects were pretty dope. Um, you know, for what they did. Uh I mean he didn't do much, but I thought I thought it looked pretty cool. It um, was crazy how much they infused Lex Luthor directly into Connor's story. Mercy's in the episode, Cadmus oh, yeah. is deeply in the episode and and the way Eve Watson talks about his upbringing with Superman and or rather his DNA with Superman and Lex I didn't know how far they would go, but I shouldn't have been surprised since, like, you know, they did the same thing with Dick Grayson. But they were went fully there with Superboy, which was pretty cool to see. Yeah. I'm very happy to see. I mean, I feel like that's what I'm saying. This show, they, they're they not pulling any punches. They're giving you all the costumes. Like, they're going all in with this show, and I very, very much appreciate it. Um, I uh, very much enjoyed the Bruce Wayne episode as well. I agree. I thought Jason Todd's performance in that episode was... was Top notch, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Um, uh, and I, I thought Dick Grayson had, did a good job in that episode I do as well. Think, yeah, Brenton did a good job in that show in that episode too. So, um, I, um, so I'm looking forward to the next episode. It's titled Jericho, so we can get some. I think that's going to be another flashback episode uh, where we get some answers with regards to what happened. Yeah, Kendall, I think is I think the Jericho episode is going to be needed because we end that last episode with Dick Grayson with the reveal that. He says he killed Jericho. You no, know, I know when you watched it, you were skeptical whether or not that was actually what happened. But no, he didn't kill Jericho. No way. 
I mean, that's what they, that's what he says. But when that's, you say uh, when you say no way, that's like, a classic misdirect. When you say no way, what do you mean by that? Then do you think that he led like, to his death? Guilty. Yeah, he's guilty about it, and you know he may have done something that ultimately led to it. Like you know, like I don't know. Like it's like like you know, it'd be like if Batman said, "I killed Jason Todd." You know, traditional like. I mean, you didn't kill Jason Todd, but like, I mean, you gave you made him Robin, put him in that position again. Like, I, I think like it'll be one of those deals, you know. And it may be something even more connected than that, even more direct than that. But like, I mean, he didn't murder <laughs> Jericho, I, you know. At the very the most, like, it was an accidental, like, you know, he dropped him off something, like, it was an accident. But like beyond that, like, you know. But my chances are, like he, like it wasn't even him. It was probably something else that happened. It may have still been Destro, but he blames himself for that happening, which makes sense. What do you guys make of how Destro is systematically tearing this team apart with how he's placing, you know, items in certain places that are leading to the division? How he, you know, Robin's like he's he's in the building, like I I, I like the oh I love it I I just love the psychological kind of villain they're making this Deathstroke to be. Because, again, so many of the Deathstrokes we've seen, they've kind of harped on his physical attributes, which we know this are is profound. Kind of, but this, this is, is very different. Slave, Slade, Teen Titans. Yeah, that's it exactly is. what I was about to say. You know, this is Slade. You know, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is Slade 101. <laughs> and um, I also love how that other guy, and Dick had a gun to him, he's just like, well, you're going to shoot me, just shoot me. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah, yeah. So, like, this is these are guys that you do not, this is not, you know, just some red mugger. You know, he's dealing with the, the real deal here. So, I'm, I really like what they're doing with Deathstroke here. I'm a very big fan of it. Yeah, we're eight, eight, we're, it's kind of crazy that we're eight episodes in. But, um, I mean, this, this season's been way better than the last season. I think that's not even debatable anymore, right? Yeah, they've really found their niche. And I think they, as I said before, they listen to their fans, I think. I feel like this show is way more involved with being more of a... It's like it's not like we see them on missions and stuff, but like it just it just is way less off of like the super, super dark, off-beaten path type stuff. They just seem to be more involved in developing their heroes as true heroes and moving forward with that it's a darker more mature show but they you're right i think they absolutely found their niche and i've enjoyed this season you know not episode every episode is perfect there are some issues and i've pointed out some of the ones i had with the episode that was connor i also the one other thing about Superboy is i kind of i kind of like young justice take on him a little better that he's not like an idiot when he comes out of academus like i don't know how much i enjoyed also like the idea of him like like I do, I like some of the quirks of him, like getting used to being now a person in, in like America. But like I kind of like that when he came out and he came out on your justice. Like yes, he was like raw and had a lot of issues, but like he was smart. Like he he had some yeah, he uh, knew some functional on. issues. Like I mean, this kid is like a baby, yeah. <laughs> you know. And like I think I think the justice like, version gave like, us a little more, allowed us for a little more depth, a lot more quickly than what we're doing with uh, this version which is gonna be have a lot have to be a lot more of a slower walk because this guy doesn't he knows some things but like he definitely is not way nearly as developed uh intellectually as the young justice version they've done a i think they, what they have done you mentioned is i think they've done a very good job 
with the making him not only like a clone of Superman but a clone of Lex Luthor and like kind of really balancing that and like how like he's always quick to like want to jump in and help in situations that I mean like you say he's not he, sometimes he, he doesn't even notice that he doesn't, may not have to help in certain situations but um but at the same time he also like have anger issues and is you know like dangerous yeah and yeah. like and like and the, in, the is, instinct to kill is like you know, there like, yeah exactly and the scene that he had with uh i, I mean i guess that was lionel luthor you know he, he yeah. um that was i thought that was a very good scene that was but, an excellent scene you know i think the episode as a whole for me was kind of random you know it got us to a point that connected with the overall story but you know yeah, I guess there are 13 episodes, and they, I mean, this was, that was only, like, episode six, so, like, they have time, but, yeah, you know, it's just been a lot of one-off episodes, you know, we're getting another one next week. Next week, we'll probably connect more closely to where we're trying to go. Yeah, but that, like, that like episode... This one, and, or Connor and Aqualad both kind of were, like, really didn't need them. I mean, they're good. I think we needed Aqualad. Um, Connor... I mean, Aqualad helps. Yeah, Connor. I think I think we kind of needed both, but uh, Connor. I think I think the one thing they are doing is I think last season they did random episodes that just really didn't connect at all. I think this season they they heard the criticism, and I think Aqualad and Connor, which are their random episodes in this season, connect way more closely. Yeah, at to, least like they. Connect. Yeah, like like they were episodes last year that didn't connect at all. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't drive like any, the Hawk and Dove. Yeah, Hawk and Dawn. episode on Hawk were, were great. It was, it was a great episode. Yeah, it was, it was one of my favorite episodes I mean, of the season. And it was uh, written by Jeff Johns. But it was not... It had nothing to do, pretty much, with what was happening. Um, yeah. There were a lot of episodes like that. The Don Troy episode really didn't bring much to the table last year. Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol didn't bring any really much right. to the last, last year. You know, it did kind of you know allow us to be introduced to Beast Boy and get him off the Doom Patrol. But... Like these episodes, at least they 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 follow directly into the main story I, arc of Deathstroke. I guess my thing with these two episodes are that they like they could have been ten minutes, and like other stories could you know like they could have been part of, like the the Aqualad flashback could have been ten minutes and like I mean it would have been way less fleshed out, but um you know if they it just it, it would have been more focused on the actual story. I hear. You. Um, but I, I think this. Uh, I think Titans has turned a corner. I think it's been a really solid season so far. We're past the halfway point, I think. So, um, Jericho's next episode, and we'll see what comes with that. I'm sure it'll be a, a very important episode to understanding why the beef with uh, Deathstroke is there. Um, I do think it's kind of interesting to note that since Aqualad, they've gone like flashback episode, regular episode, then like. Not a flashback per se, but like se- like separate episode and then back to the main story. So that means that this episode probably lends itself to being more of a flashback or off the beaten path type story. They seem to be going one off, you know, one current, one non-current story. So we'll see if that continues with the next episode. But I think that's going to do it for this uh, podcast. So thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Of course, you can catch all of our shows 
on New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Also, make sure you check us out on TuneIn as well. Um, on YouTube, we're, on new, we're at New Generation Media. So make sure you subscribe to our channel there and like our videos and give us some views. Uh, you can catch us on social media. We're on uh, Facebook, New Generation Media. On Twitter, at New Generation Pod. And on Instagram, at New Generation Podcast. Uh, follow Shamari on social media. He's at MCSham22 on Twitter, on our Instagram and Snapchat. And you can follow me on Instagram, ActionEJ, and on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. That does it for now. We will be back next week with more Hero Talk. For Shamari, for Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.